0: Time travel commencing in T-minus ten seconds. I'm
1: counting. Today is the tomorrow I was talking about yesterday. And tomorrow, yesterday will be today. And I got to the future from the past when the past became the present, which is now. <laughs> you get it? Got it. Good. Did you explain it to me?
2: A great privilege to introduce a performer I've known for a long, long time.
3: WDW Radio, your information station. Hello, my friend. Happy New Year and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 616. And together, each week, we will celebrate the magic of the Disney parks, movies, and more, as I take you from the parks to the screens and everything in between on the podcast, my weekly live video on Facebook, community, books, audio tours, blog, and more. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and find everything else at www.radio.com. This week, I invite you to join us as we look back on the year that was 2020 in the Disney parks, studios, and Disney+. Plus including not just what we may have lost, but what we learned and gained, including some of the many good things that came out of the past year. We'll also discuss our overall takeaways, not just from a Disney perspective, but personally as well. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, and I'll pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show for more information, updates, and your voicemails. So sit back, relax, And enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. 2020. It was the year that was. Uh, There are, in some respects, no words... And yet there are so many things that we need to say. And as a general rule, I always prefer to look forward uh, than to glance back um, because that's the direction that we're going. But I also do think it is important to look and reflect and react and respond and adjust and comment on what's happened. Specifically on the 2020 Disney Year in Review. Still keeping our feet facing forward as we look ahead to 2021. So let's look back, let's reflect on 2020 and not just the bad, and I know there was a lot of it, but what we gained, what we learned, and maybe what's changed. And then we'll go full steam ahead into what the future will hopefully hold. Uh, and even though The past year was very different. Um, This is something I love doing every year. So I decided to bring back some friends who have done this with me before. And because I always believe in Ladies First, I want to welcome back, first and foremost, Her Royal Highness Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel.
4: So we're talking about 2020. It's not too early for Mimosa, right?
3: (laughs) Becky, I've known you for a long time. It's never been too early or too late (laughs) for you when it comes to mimosas. It's so good that you know me so
4: well. Thanks thanks for having me back. Happy New Year. Um,
3: You too. Continuing with ladies first and second, I want to welcome back Lisa DiNorno-Glassner from thecastlerun.com and corememorycandles.com.
0: Hey, guys. I'm sure this will be a very cathartic experience for all of us.
3: (laughs) Just so you know, guys, crying is podcast gold. And finally, rounding out uh, the foursome, is going to be John Sicari. You're like who? You know him. You love him as Big Fat Panda from Big Fat Panda, the brand new BigFatPanda.com, by the way. Hello, and Happy New Year, Lou. So do you guys remember... We did this a few years back. We got together on the boardwalk <laughs> when yeah. we were allowed to get together and sit close to each other and, and laugh and hug and, and not wear masks. Uh, uh, my, how things have changed since then. Um, I was looking back. I was trying to think it was, I think it was 2018. 18. Maybe we did that. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. But Yeah,
0: I was trying to find that show too. And then we like spontaneously walked into a park and had a meal <laughs> Unprepared and unreserved.
4: The, walked. Wait a minute. We, you walked into. We walked into a park. I mean, <laughs> come on, for every me, part that's... about
3: that scent. look, you know. Um, <laughs> as you, the things we'll. I think we'll talk a lot about taking things for granted in, in this conversation. um But think back to this time in last year, right? Think back to this time in in. 2020 was this bright, shiny new object, right? Galaxy's Edge had just opened, and there was this incredible excitement about what we were planning for, what we were expecting to happen in 2020. Remember all the things that they announced at D23 Expo, the three new attractions, the nighttime spectacular in Epcot, all these things that that were were coming, and then we start to hear about this this illness, this, that, that's plaguing people on the other side of the world, right? It's something that was happening. It was so very distant. It seemed like it was something that would certainly never impact us or affect us here. I mean, it was something very serious and very sad, but admittedly distant until it wasn't anymore. Um, and I think it was probably about the time, it was maybe like in February, that i think we started to feel it. i know for me i I went to a conference in san diego lisa i know you were there and that's when i started to feel that things were a little bit different um and then i was as it was starting to sort of just you know rage its way through europe i actually backed out of uh, a conference uh, which was eventually postponed and i chose not to go and speak in italy which Really good idea, because I'd probably be doing the show from Italy at, <laughs> <laughs> at this time. Um, and, and then we got the news. And when I say we got the news, I mean, I'm, I want to put this into a uh, a, a Disney context. Um, when we got the news about this this unprecedented event happening, which was going to be Walt Disney World closing. And I, I was actually in Epcot. I know, Lisa, you were there, and then you had left. We, we were recording I think it was a festival, the arts show. We were recording something. It was a, it was a
0: flowering garden walkabout um, that we were recording. And yeah, I think, I mean, I'm sure we'll address all of this in more detail, but that day we were doing a walkabout of the festival, not knowing the turn things we're going to take, obviously. And while we were there, I know we got the, we got the news that Disneyland was going to be shuttering its doors and that was the same day also that they pulled so many of the college program students off stage and were telling them what was going on and that the program was was being halted. Um and I think I had like just walked away from you guys um that evening when we all, of course, got the news um that was breaking that Walt Disney World was also going to be closing. And we actually, well, obviously I'm sure you remember, we actually recorded the second half of that. Walk about later that weekend, um, obviously with a very different tone, sort of more a memorial than a than a guide at that point. And you know, we were all together in Magic Kingdom that last night. Yeah. Um, looking back at pictures of that, it just feels so so far away.
2: We talk about Disneyland and Disney World closing, like it, like yeah, it was a thing. We, I mean, the thought of that happening. Do you remember how crazy it was, especially Walt well, Disney World? The thought of it closing was really they they're not going to do that.
3: Well, even and I remember
2: being that, even before that, like the
3: night that that happened, mm-hmm. and and I can I remember where I was standing. I mean, I was standing where you know they we're almost where the, the the new Starbucks is in in World Showcase, and I'm looking at my phone, seeing this announcement coming down. And let's sort of just put this timeline in context because we didn't expect it, even though. The Asian properties had closed. Remember, Shanghai closed January twenty fifth. Hong Kong closed the next day. Tokyo closed uh, February twenty eighth, and then the cruise line suspended its sailings on March fourteenth. But we certainly didn't expect it to, to hit home. And I remember leaving the, leaving Epcot, Epcot and feeling this this need to go live and just sort of share and express. You know our feelings with others that night. We went over to the beach club, and it was a very look. You know, I'm a crier. It was a very emotional time. You know, I know for for all of us.
0: Yeah, I remember like you and I went back and forth because, like we said, I had I had you know walked away minutes before the announcement came, and I remember going back and forth with you that night, and we were both just so sad, Um, and it was just very hard to pinpoint it. But it was it was just this overwhelming feeling of this thing that felt so big and so untouchable was was being closed and I I remember even you know that you referenced that conference we were out in California um and things obviously were on the west coast more so before they were on the east coast and people were starting to kind of you know bump elbows instead of shake hands and all that good stuff we were out there and it still felt a little I'm not gonna use the word silly particularly in hindsight um, but but it 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 felt very distant. It felt like a big problem, but not something that was really affecting yeah. where we were at that point. And I remember even like walking around Magic Kingdom that last night. And again, like looking back at those pictures, we were shoulder to shoulder at the fireworks and not really, you know, wrapping our heads around it being a local issue. Um, as much as it was at that point. Um, and we were, you know, Lou and you and I and our families and and others were walking around that day. And I remember like hearing kind of the CDC guidance starting to roll in. And I think at one point we saw something about sort of the six week recommendation for no group gatherings and being like, does does this mean that like we're looking at potentially a month and a half here of of what's going on? And 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 those that felt so big and so, so like so difficult to wrap our heads around at the time I mean I, I almost thank God that we didn't know what was coming because it was probably easier to process as it was rolling in well, over Becky the next where few
3: where were you like you know we, we sort of like we have yeah. these seminal moments where you know we re, you remember where you were on 9 11 where were you and what was that initial reaction like for you when you first heard about the closures of the domestic parks?
4: I, I was in a very unique situation because as this started coming up, and and of course, in the travel industry, when you start hearing that something like this is happening, I, I kind of reflect back to H1N1, where that didn't really touch us like this clearly. But when you start hearing those little rumors and then suppliers start talking about there's a problem coming, you might remember that you and I had just come off of, um, of the uh, press event, and we had breakfast before I left and I sat down with you and we were at the Riviera and I said, something's coming. This doesn't feel right. There's, this could be huge. This could be something and I'm scared for my business. I really felt like this could have an impact that I could really feel. Um, and I, the only other thing that ever was like, this was nine 11. Um, Where it just felt heavy and down and this is not right and I'm not sure what to do with this. We had heard about, uh, like you said, the other parks closing in Shanghai and um, Hong Kong and Tokyo. I got home on March 6th after we had that conversation. I was actually prepping to leave for Disneyland because I had an event that I was working for a partner. Uh, By the way, the name of that event was the anything can happen weekend. (laughs) 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 So yeah. Can you imagine that? So the night before I was supposed to get on the plane to leave for that event, I got the phone call from, um, from our partners before it was actually officially announced that Disneyland was closing. They called me that day and said, I'm sorry, uh, your event is not going to be able to go forward, and this is why. And it was actually a few hours later that they announced it. So I was stunned um, that Disneyland was closing. Hadn't heard about Disney World at that point. And I had about 30 clients that were already there in preparation for the event. I had people in the air on their way there. So my entire response was okay i've got to take care of everybody i didn't have a moment to let that really sink in it wasn't until we heard about disney world closing that i started putting it all together and realizing that we were um, going to be faced with a, a heck of a challenge especially from a travel industry perspective
2: it's upsetting to me just to think about it and i don't i know we already said that parks are closing but because lou said not to go in chronological order, really, but just the foreboding at Minnie and Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Do you, does everybody feel a foreboding at that event? Like this is the last time this is gonna happen for a while?
4: I, I felt down or just darkness. I mean, it, it felt like something is coming and it's going to be very challenging.
3: That's exactly what I felt. Th- you know what I felt the most? And as I'm I'm getting choked up thinking about it, I remember being at Epcot. As college program cast members are literally being pulled off stage,
2: yeah, and yeah, being
3: yeah. like, My heart was breaking for these kids, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and still does because so many people still who are cast members have, have lost their jobs, um, as a result. But there was a there was a, a there was such a, a sense of, of gravitas of that moment, you know, watching these people literally just being taken from their role with sort of no notice uh, and being told that they have to pack up and go home.
4: Absolutely. And another thing that I just remembered from being there too, is that I live 20 minutes from the place that it was first identified in the United States and the first death occurred. So the, the nursing home in Kirkland, Washington is about 20 minutes from my house. So when I was in world talking to you before I flew home, I had that, um, that moment in my brain going, should I even go home? Um, is this spreading in my area? Should I even go home? And then, you know, watching it impact people one after another, like you said, the college program people and just watching reality um, of the situation take effect and grab a hold. It, it was It was hard to watch. And even going back now, and if you look at the articles that were written at the time, you know, that Disney has never been um, closed down like this in its history. As of March 15th, no Disney park was in operation anywhere on the globe, which that hit me like a a ton of bricks. Um, But when you read some of the articles that were done at that time, most of them were expecting to be closed till the end of the month or, you know, six weeks later. So you had that bit of optimism in the midst of all of this, you know, watching it impact so many people's lives. That, I remember even
0: here, like when the kids went to spring break, it was right around that same time that, that weekend of the closure. Um, and I actually had taken my kids to see Mickey Minnie's runaway railway and was reminding my seven-year-old not to, you know, lick the, uh, the line <laughs> dividers in the queue.
3: <laughs> I'm happy that you have to remind him not to do that. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. But even then, I like, you know, just to kind of locally put in perspective what was going on, there were, you know, because the kids were going on spring break, right, as this was all happening, the parks were, were closing. Um, and there were rumors that, you know, that the kids may not be going back to school after that week, the spring break week was over. And they the um, Orange County Public School System actually proactively sent out messages that weekend saying like, these rumors are not true. The kids are actually absolutely going back to school once spring break is over. Needless to say, that was not the case. Um, and very quickly was, you know, was reversed. Um, but it, it was like, it was all in those like few days that like perspective, just perspective, just radically shifted, um, about just the scope and length of time and everything else about what was going on. So.
3: You know, and we all, no matter where you are, we all sort of felt the impact of, you know, this, I, I, I at the time, you know, it was all, we almost sort of laughed it off a little bit. Like, like oh, quarantine, like it's a zombie apocalypse, like it's a movie because we didn't think it was really going to hit us. We thought it was going to be something that was quick and as sad as that night was in Magic Kingdom, we said, okay, this is awful and it's horrible and it's sad but it's going to open up soon. It's going to open up again in a couple of weeks. And when we were finally able to start, you know, leaving our houses, I know as locals, not only was it odd for everyone around to see the streets empty, but when you would drive through Walt Disney world property, not to, to do anything other than just to get from point a to point B, sometimes you cut through property and to see not a single car on the road not to see a single light on anywhere, like parking lots absolutely empty. Um, It was eerie and it was sad. I mean, it was incredibly depressing and and surreal. Like it's one thing to hear about Disney World Clothes, but when you drove through that way and actually seeing it with your own eyes, it it was horrible.
0: But also I think like... uh you know, there was a sadness to it, but also just, it was just an interesting process because you started to see kind of Disney reaching out to us quietly in these little ways that they could show us that they were still there. Like it was, you know, I, I went running on property and it was, you know, kind of a traumatic experience, but um, (laughs) look back on that, but, but no, but like, I remember like that they were showing us that, you know, the light in Walt's apartment in Disneyland was still on and they were still raising the flag every day. And if you drove by the, you know, the contemporary and Bay Lake tower during that time, they actually had the rooms lit in the shape of a heart um, and the contemporary. And then they had a, a Mickey shape on Bay Lake tower. So it was like, they were trying to kind of quietly reach out to us during that time. And of course, like bring the magic home with the Disney magic moments campaign and, all those, you know, all those things. But, um, I think, you know, we realized just how much we, we needed this thing that we thought would never be taken away from us. Um, I think you we know, until realize that time.
3: just how much we miss this place, whether you're local or, you know, Becky or whoever having to visit, like you realize just how much this place really means, means to you. Not that we took ever took it for granted, but to a certain degree we took it for granted that, it's Disney World, like Disney Disneyland, it's always open, like it's always this safe harbor for us to go to to get away from the problems of the real world. And this really was the first time in any sort of significant way that the w- real world crept into our in our own sort of personal fantasy land in the Disney parks. And what?
4: as the only non-local here, <laughs> I'm still feeling that. I haven't been back. I haven't been able to walk into a park. I haven't been able to see the hearts lit up on the contemporary. I haven't been able to drive through. Um, so I'm living vicariously through uh, through what you guys are posting and and what we're seeing Parks Blog put out. But I still feel that loneliness and that heaviness and that missing of of the Disney magic. And I, Yeah really took it for granted because here I am sitting in the same chair 10 months later. I still haven't had that experience that you guys have been able to because uh, the, you know, Disney world opened up at least, but um, I'm
2: really, really feeling it. Lou, what you were just saying, do you remember when, I I don't know where in the pandemic it was where Josh tomorrow put out a video of the studios Mm -hmm. and it was empty and he just played the music for a little bit Mm -hmm. and the park was empty. I did not expect to you know, watch that in private and burst out in tears. And that's when I realized I missed it more than I knew that I did. Yeah. That video really, I don't know if anybody else had a crazy moment with that video, but that was when I went, oh, wow, I am feeling this oh, missing."
4: The, the first time that, um, that mm-hmm. Lou, you were able to go into the park and you live streamed. I, I sat here bawling like a baby. I didn't realize just how much I missed that atmosphere, missed the music, missed the the crowds for gosh sake.
2: I Um, mean, that's strange. um, It's true. You missed the crowd mentality. Yes.
3: Well, and, and sort of, and and look, let's, I I want to, you know, look, we can talk about the feelings when things were closed and we'll certainly touch on as we get through this conversation about some of the things we did to fill those gaps. Thank you, Jesus for Disney plus, Um, but, um, You know, I also want to think about, you know, the reopening process because that was equally as critical. And it seems like it was much later than late May when Disney Springs started that phased reopening with the third party vendors. I mean, I think it was like May 20th or so that they first started to do it. And then like a week later, they opened up some of the Disney owned stores uh, and then they started to introduce what. The, the, the park experience was going to be like um, it, in June when they started to allow this park pass reservation system, which again, one of the many new things that came out of this. And then the DVC resorts and Fort Wilderness started to open. And then the the previews of magic kingdom and animal kingdom happened in early July, July 9th or 10th. Uh, and again, just to sort of, you know, quickly put in, in context, one and Becky, I know you again, you've been you've unfortunately have been shuttered where you are, but for you know, John and Lisa, how quickly did you go back? and what were your feelings like the first time you went back into Disney Springs, the first time you went back into a disney park? and and to be clear, and I want to sort of make it this this blanket statement. we were just talking about this the other day. You know, how people respond to Things and your personal comfort level, as in terms of when you felt ready to go to the grocery store, when you felt ready to go to, um, uh, you know, Disney Springs or a theme park, is a very personal choice. And there, and I, my feeling through this whole thing is as long as you've been following guidelines and, and recommendations, there is no right or wrong answer, right. I don't think the person that went there on day one is any more right or wrong than the person that says, Hey, I need to wait a few months before I feel comfortable going. Becky, to your point, the reason why I went live as often as I did when the parks and Disney Springs reopened was specifically for that, right? I wanted the person who was not there yet, could not get there yet, one, To see with their own eyes exactly what it looked and felt like without having something that was scripted or edited or cut. And if there was something you wanted to see, you could tell me, hey, take me over here, show me this. I want people, as I do it all my lives, I want people to be able to view for and more importantly, judge for themselves and say, hey, I've seen enough. I'm ready to go or I'm not ready to go back as yet mission accomplished with that as
4: well. And it, it it was really important too, because like you said, and it, it's a personal decision. No one can tell you that it's okay to go. No one can tell you it's not okay to go. But what those live streams did too, was to show people the measures that were being put in place. And that gave a lot of people that comfort level of, yeah, okay, this is okay for me. I'm going to go ahead and, and jump in and go get some Disney magic. So that was incredibly helpful for a lot of people to make those decisions.
3: Lisa and John.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, like you, um, you know, I was, you know, in the gates as things were opening up both at Disney Springs and in the parks and um, you know, in, in, in part for my own purposes and part, you know, we're in different mediums. I'm more on Instagram and stories and things like that and sharing, you know, sharing things out that way. Um, but for my own purposes as well. And I think, um, you know, to start going back into Springs, um, you know, there's, you know, wearing the mask and walking around and kind of feeling all the different things about you know, what, what was going on there was um, something I used to, but at the same time, I think like so many of the things that I may not have noticed you know, in times past were so at the forefront for me, like walking around in Springs and feeling that, that perfect evening weather and the music, I think for me, was such a big part, just walking around Springs and hearing that, that instrumental Disney music in the background, um, you know, brought me back and, um, you know, and I felt so lucky to to be able to be there those, those first few days. And then as the parks, you know, obviously late, much later in July, I think we were all about just watching the news and the, the time in between. And then when the parks finally you know, did open their gates and, you know, in phase succession and in July and we started to walk back in. It was just that overwhelming feeling of it all being new again. I think like in, in being local, being a local is really wonderful and I think we're all really lucky. Um, John and, and, and Lou and I are very lucky to be local. Um, but one of the things you lose in being local is that sort of novelty and newness to walking into the parks for the first time and, and being able to re-experience that was, was a really beautiful thing. Um, And again, it's, you know, you, you just appreciated so many things that you hadn't before. The the first time I really cried was Epcot for me Um, walking around in that corner and seeing the castle for the first time in pink um, (laughs) was, was a pretty powerful experience. And then all the other parks, but for me, I think it was standing outside the the gates at Epcot and hearing, you know, golden dream and things playing. I, I really broke down for the first time.
2: I think I had planned to run back on opening day, but then I got so scared of the virus, I did not. I waited at least a few weeks, maybe a week before I went back into Springs. And I remember... Uh, feeling really good and safe about it. it. Just the way Disney handled it. I mean, you know, there was some complaints about day one, but when I went, it felt, you know, oh, I'm away from people. Nobody's really that close to me. My mask was on and I felt pretty secure. And that's, I think after that I went to the studios and I thought that was great too. I spent the whole day in the studios and I felt like, okay, this can be managed. I was very excited that, you know, my fear was not going to take over me and I felt like it was managed and Disney did it well and I wasn't going to get sick which obviously thank God I didn't and uh yeah I still feel that way there are still some days where I feel like it's getting more crowded uh when they do things like the projections on the castle people don't know not to gather and and we just naturally do on Main Street still and I kind of liked it I was excited about it but uh I still feel safe there I feel like Disney is doing the right thing so but I didn't run back yeah I definitely waited a little bit I did,
3: I wanted to go back, like I needed to go back, and I don't know how else to describe it. I had this personal, not professional need, I had this personal need to go back. Um, and I also, there was a, a sense of curiosity, right, in terms of how were things going to be handled? How was it going to look and feel? And without going into too deep of, I, I said at the very beginning, and I continue to say this now, Walt Disney World and the Disney Parks still remain the place that I feel most safe. I think that not only are the parks and more importantly, the cast members, but the guests, like everybody is still doing what they are supposed to do to make me feel safe. I feel safer there than I do going to the grocery store or, you know, I go out to eat with even, you know, with, with you know, family or friends. I still feel it is the the safest place. Um, that being said... I do also remember think back to those first few visits to the parks and Disney Springs and there was nobody there and there was something both wonderful and creepy and very off about that like yes at some point we're going to go back. Remember those days you could go to Flight of Passage and as you're walking off, a cast member would say, would you like to ride again without waiting? Because you could just cut right through right here. We're like, nah, I'm good. Four times as long <laughs> Rub it in. <laughs> but, but it was. I mean, the parks, yeah. you sort of had it, it even more so than, you know, a hard ticket event. Um, there was an emptiness to the parks. And again, this idea of, of you know, lemonade from lemons things seemed brighter. The music seemed louder because there was not that like resonant hum of, of guests talking. And you had this new, you looked at the, I looked at the park in, in a very different way, but there was still something missing. Like I never realized that the crowds and the people and the laughter and, and all those things were part of the equation It's not just the music and the parades and and all those things, but having, I know this sounds weird, but having more people back in the park makes it feel more comforting, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the things that's been really interesting for me, for myself and also just for talking to a lot of people who are, you know, experiencing the park slowly for the first time as this is all progressing is the number of people, especially early on, like you were saying, when things were so, so quiet. I mean, yes, to be able to walk on flight of passage over and over again until you're so dizzy that you have to turn them down, like it was supposed <laughs> to be, um is a pretty wild experience. And I mean, I've got pictures of, you know, rounding the corner into Africa and Animal Kingdom, and literally I am the only person, like there's nobody um, and that was that was wild. But it's for myself and I think for so many other people of conversations that I've had, um, it's been interesting to see how many people um, realized, maybe they hadn't before, just how much their experience of the park depended on the crowds and the bustling and the crying kids and fighting over strollers. And, you know, I'm phrasing it in a certain way on purpose. But um, you know the the all of the stuff that you thought was annoying. <laughs> Maybe before you realized was just such an integral part of your experience in the parks, um, and two, just the fact that it was so much, so much of it was locals experiencing it you know, you weren't really getting, I mean, I, I, said before, you know, we were getting sort of that new park experience for the first time, but there is something special about seeing the people walking around with their first visit buttons. And um, you know, the the little kids kind of seeing the castle for the first time. And that was, you know, just honestly, that was just missing from the initial experiences because that's not the people who were in the parks.
2: It, uh, it is funny. The energy, the energy of the people absolutely contribute to the magic. Not that you can't have the magic without them, but we all saw yeah, be careful what you wish for. You're gonna get yeah.
0: it. Yeah. I mean, we're not doing this chronologically, so I can jump ahead a little bit, but just to like add on to that, I feel like the first time that I really felt that energy again was maybe when they were starting like the Halloween decoration, yes. the Halloween entertainment. I remember like being in Magic Kingdom that day and being like, there was this is like palpable, exciting week. Something different was happening, and we were all on there kind of excitedly waiting for it. And I think that was like the first time that I kind of mentally
3: phased into that maybe what the old experience felt like a little bit more john i'm i'm and this is not to call you out because i think we're very much alike when she said that it made me think of the day that we I were know, in Magic Kingdom when the when the, this version of christmas started to happen and you came in and i i will never forget your face as you rounded the corner by the tree on main street And there were tears, literal tears streaming down your face. And you're like, I just can't believe that this is how this makes me
2: feel. And you're sort of pointing to the decorations and just people and all. And I get it. I knew you got what I was saying. You actually went to hug me. You came very close and then pulled away and said, oh, no, Corona. (laughs) But I I knew that you got it. But I was overwhelmed because I I thought we were going to miss this Christmas. And I think... I just couldn't handle that Christmas was happening. And because we got li- like half the decorations for Halloween or even 20%, but for Christmas we got a hundred percent that overwhelmed me too. And then the parade in pieces came down that I, it was just, it was a Christmas gift. That was, that was really great.
1: Well,
4: for so many of us, this has been a loss. It's, it's a, it's a grieving process that we lost this thing that means so much to us. And um you know to have some of those pieces back has got to to feel amazing so all all those feeling all the feels I guess makes complete sense when you're you know re-experiencing it again
3: yeah and and that's sort of you know my point too in in wanting to to talk about it this way is you know everybody sort of looks at 2020 (laughs) and and you've grown and and it's it, it was awful in so many respects but it was not all bad, right? Everything was not all bad. Look, my, my choose the good mantra very much was, was <laughs> tested to its limits in in 2020. And I do think that there was and continues to be good and, that came from. And that's some of the thing, things that, you know, I, I want to look at as we look back on specifically Walt Disney World and, and even the other parks and some of the other aspects of the company too. And and. To sort of put an, a, a pin in it here, um, I, I really I need to start off with what I feel is the most important, and and again, sort of falling out of this idea of going chronologically, I, I need I, I really want to talk about the cast members um, yeah. because th- there's a lot that 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 I feel about this. Um, certainly, we we are all very we're well aware of the tens of thousands, you know, over 30,000 here at Walt Disney World, much higher when you bring into account uh, Disneyland and, and some of the other other properties. It's devastating. It's mm-hmm. devastating on a macro level, on a micro level, because I know all of us here and you who's listening, we all know a cast member. We all know a cast member, whether it's a personal relationship a family friend a, a relative or just a cast member that has impacted you during your you know disney visits uh, it's devastating uh it is devastating and uh you know from from furloughs to layoffs etc uh, I, I cannot overstate how how awful that is and how it continues to be awful um and and um how many people are 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 continuing to to suffer as a result of that? However, I, I do have to say that when the parks reopened, I'm, you know, I'm 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 envisioning Main Street USA and Walt Disney's door about the casting and and how it takes people to make uh, the dream a reality. The cast members have been better than ever. They really have. It was a very unique, almost somewhat, you know, I think there was a little bit of of hesitation or trepidation that first time we walked into a park because we didn't know just how different it was going to be. And yes, there was plexiglass and hand sanitizers and markers on the ground and all that kind of stuff like that. But the cast members, without fail, have been exceptional. They smile through their masks. They still make you feel like you're the most important person there. And, and we'll talk about some of the other, you know, accidental improvements that I think have happened as a result. But it really does go back to those people who, you know, I, I have to imagine was equally scary for them putting themselves into a situation where there was going to be whatever the the percentages were, 15, 20, still thousands of guests, you know, walking around uh, all the time. I, I have to imagine it was a very intimidating thing, but I, I do, on, on a, again, on a personal level, both individual moments and just
2: collectively
3: what I've seen, I think the cast members have done an exceptional job.
2: I absolutely felt that too. I actually found it hard to say, hey, I had a good time when I first went back, knowing how many cast members were not there. I kind of felt like, oh, am I am I being disrespectful and insulting to them? Because the cast members that were left, you know, did do such a great job. But uh, yeah, I they definitely, and, and they were taking more abuse from people.
3: And think so. about how many cast members were in roles, and I think people sometimes forget this, how many cast members were thrown into roles that were not necessarily ones that they had pre-pandemic? Because- well, there were no college program cast members. There were no international college program cast members. There were no no uh, international cast members at all. So all of a sudden, there were cast members who were being very quickly retrained to take on different roles. And yes, yeah, sometimes you saw that. Sometimes you felt it. Was was everything perfect? Of course not. Of course not. And, and I don't think any of us could have or should have expected it to be. Mm-mm. But... The effort that was there, um, I I could not find any fault with.
0: And I I think that, I mean, not to overstate in the slightest, the sort of non-cast member Orlando community's role in any of this, but I think it's been just a, it's been a really unique opportunity for all of us to be in it with them, Um, with the cast members that are being affected, that have been brought back, that haven't been brought back. um, There are some wonderful, wonderful community um, sort of grassroots efforts that have been um, put together by cast members and others to help support um, those of them who have been affected by all of this. Um, and I, I, I think, you know, I, again, not to overstate the role of the sort of non-cast member of or Orlando or Central Florida community at all, but it, it, at least, you know, even from a cathartic perspective, it's been really wonderful. Um, I know for me and for so many other people to feel like we have been in a position to give back to them and help them back after so many, you know, years and decades of smiles that they've given us um, and to show them just how appreciated that they are, whether it's by, you know, contributing to a charity that's been organized or hiring them for other work or, um, you know, supporting a live stream that, you know, somebody who may have normally been performing in the parks is, is doing on Facebook. Um, You know, so it, that And and that and just feeling we're in it together. I mean, I know we've, you know, Lou, you and I and John and, and others have been in, you know, in restaurants where just like you said, like people are being thrown into these new roles. And, you know, in those moments, you don't feel like you're being serviced by a cast member. You feel like you're kind of all in it together, like dealing with it together, understanding that they're new, you know, talking to the to the managers about what their experience has been like since the opening. And um, I don't know. I mean, I, again, like not to overstate our role and what they are going through um, but I, I feel like, you know, at least it has felt like we've been able to be there for them and to show our appreciation for them in a way that maybe we didn't vocalize as much as we should have before all of this started.
3: Yeah, I, I talked about taking things for granted, taking experiences for granted, uh, taking cast members for granted this can definitely be in there, too, and, and hopefully... Uh, We and and all guests have a new appreciation and and more a greater appreciation for what cast members um, have been going through and what they've been doing, because while things always may have felt a little bit different, I I never felt that they weren't magical and it might not have been perfect, but I never felt it wasn't it certainly wasn't for, you know, lack of effort um, on on. Disney's part, uh, but let's talk about some of the things. Right, let's choose the good. let's talk about some of the good things that we did get in 2020 because otherwise we could just be spiraling down and you know we'll be a blubbering messes of tears before this is all out. So, I think for me, the cast members being better than ever. I, I think the park. Um, look, safety has always been the first tenant of of you know safety courtesy efficiency show and efficiency but safety has always been first it, it still feels safer and better than ever but we also got some other good stuff you know before the parks closed and then after they reopened again john you mentioned mickey and rinnie's runaway railway the first new attraction certainly his first the first attraction period where mickey and minnie uh are the stars Unbelievably taking more than six decades before they actually get a starring role in their own attraction uh, right before the shutdown in early March. I think March 4th it opened at Hollywood Studios and then eventually in, uh, when it does come to, uh, to Disneyland. But it's, I know I think we've all had a chance to ride a Becky you've ridden Runaway Railway.
4: Yeah, yes. yeah, I was uh, I was there for the event. That was that that was the last time I was in Disney World, as a matter of fact, and and that was so uplifting. And it, it I remember hearing it the first time when they said, "Yeah, is this is going to be the very first attraction for Mickey Mouse," and you're thinking, "What? How is that even possible?" Um, but to to experience it, to see it, to um, to go through that trackless system, uh, it was so. Uh, full of giggles and it was a a neat enchanting experience to go through that attraction and I'm dying to go back on it
3: and I know all of you seem to use when we talked about the same word the word fun just kept on coming up over and over again like it's just one of those like fun attractions that I think um you know, I think Walt would love because it was one of those things that, that a family. And I think it was something that that Hollywood Studios specifically needed, which was an attraction that families could do and enjoy together. And there's it's so gotta, many Easter eggs in that, too,
4: <laughs> yeah, I've going on it three or four times and seeing different things every single time you go on it, because there's so much going on around you and behind
2: you and to the side of you and in front of you. It's amazing. Exactly what Becky said. It was got a great repeat value. You can keep going on sitting in different places. And yeah. the experience really is different based on where you sit.
0: You Extremely do- different based on where you're sitting. Yeah. It's yep. the rewritability factor is pretty wild, just from yep. that aspect alone.
2: And it's not just noticing that, that's part of it, but different things happen for different cars, which mm-hmm. also adds to that. So it's it's really great.
3: And that song does get stuck. You know, it's it's sort of the the, the newer Nothing generation stop of those
2: gears.
3: and until 2020 says hold my you know whatever (laughs) momosa yeah hold my momosa so what about for you so so maybe let's do it this way let's sort of go around the table and and what is something good that came out of let's stick specifically for right now in walt disney world what do you think is one of the good things that came out of 2020 in the parks and resorts in disney world we'll do uh, ladies first becky lisa and then panda in specifically in Walt Disney World, yeah, let's start Darn. with that.
4: Well,
3: that's that's so, or mean. we can go at least panda and then <laughs> Becky. How <have> about
4: <laughs> yeah, go, f- go for that because okay, now I, I have to think about world. I have like four things on my list of great things in 2020, and that's not what you're asking me. We'll get to I, baby I, I Yoda, think calm down. We'll get to baby Yoda. Don't worry.
2: <laughs> I think we've mentioned it before, but I and I, I know it's not an attraction or a ride, but I think what's come out of it that's beneficial is we were all reset with appreciation. We don't take it for granted. And I'm not saying we all did. I'm sure I know I did for certain things. But now I have a different appreciation. Almost like somebody who says they had a near-death experience and they come back and they have, you know, life is better because they realize it can be taken away. I guess I realize Disney can be taken away. And sometimes now all the colors just look better. Everything feels better. I don't... I can't describe it any other way except I looked over it you know what is it a uh, Tom Sawyer's island and I remember thinking it looks better it looks greener and it doesn't it's because I'm appreciating it more because I realize it can get taken away so I think that definitely helped put us all on a different level at least I think that's positive so
0: for me, and and, and John, you know, in, in part, I'll echo what you're saying. It's it's funny, like in preparing for the show, I kind of went back to January 1st on my Instagram account and just kind of going through pictures and like <laughs> trying to like pick up things that I had missed along the way that, you know, to uh, records of which that I had, had had happened. And it's interesting. I don't know how many of you, this is This is way ago with me here, but, and I'll get to my thing in a minute. But if any of you have read like Road Without End by Ken Follett, <laughs> I remember reading that book and like sort of a few pages in I was like oh my god the plague is coming in this book and I didn't know but I was like I mean this was exciting for me because you know it's hundreds of years ago but I was like oh my god the plague is coming and none of these characters know well this is how I felt looking back at my <laughs> Instagram account from January 2020 because we are we're talking about you know Riviera and Rise had just opened and we ran you know our the marathon weekend and had Festival of the Arts and there's like all these like normal things happening and I actually took a listen Lou you and Becky had done um the, you know the 2020 things to look forward to show and you know it's so it, yeah that the appreciation is definitely there um not you know, it, it definitely opened my eyes to that again last night as I was prepping for the show looking at all of the things that were happening as we had no idea what was coming um, but for me, and I'll return to this theme in other contexts, I'm sure, but to, for me, like the really cool thing that came out of mm-hmm. 2020 was I call it kind of like the year of inventiveness, um, because we all had to kind of find different ways to enjoy the parks or enjoy, we'll get to it, but, you know, Disney Plus and movies and, um, and, you know, it all of these things were kind of taken off the table in the parks, like, you know, firework shows and meet and greets and parades and all the things that kind of encouraged like high touch, high crowd experiences that we couldn't be having. And so I saw Disney kind of like it does so wonderfully starting to kind of think out of the box um, in ways that they could give us that magical experience in ways that didn't, you know, conjure up the crowds and high touch experiences and things that they needed to avoid. And so the character cavalcades and, um, you know, the the castle projections and all these these different, you know, the taste of Epcot instead of there being a full-blown food and wine and, you know, the other, you know, festival modifications that we've seen. I, I feel like we, we've been forced to think out of the box in so many ways this year. And some of it I kind of hope sticks around. Like, I don't hate coming to Disney World and not feeling like I needed to plan. As a local, you don't really, but, you know, they always say, oh, I don't want to be have to Plan my trip six months in advance. Well, you really don't right now. You know, Disney isn't really an experience that you need a vacation from after your vacation. Um, you know, at this stage, it's it's a very different experience. And I and I and I love the extent to which we've all, Disney included, has been forced to like think out of the box so much this year in ways to deliver the magic in safe and new ways. Um, you know, and and I think a lot of us agree that some of the things like the cavalcades and that are sort of more Disneyland. Um, impromptu, you know, interactive experiences. Um, you know, even though they came out of an unfortunate set of events, I would love to see them stick around.
3: Yeah, so, and and the way I sort of envisioned this was, you know, trying to find some of those things and and cavalcades was very much on my list, right? Because of the physical distancing requirements, you could not have any type of group or, or crowd gatherings, which is why no, you know, Nighttime fireworks show, no castle shows, uh you know, no parades. So I, I think there's actually, and, and to your point, I think there's some good that may come from this. I love the cavalcades. Like, mm-hmm. I really like them a lot for a, a lot of reasons. One, you no longer have to wait and sort of hold your parade circle for hours at a time. Like, when I say parade circle, I, mean, I remember years ago there was a there was a thread on an old on discussion forum about this woman that literally took chalk and made a chalk circle around herself, and she sort of like staked it out like this is my spot. Do not come because I need to hold it for my seventeen you know family members who are coming in. But more importantly, I think there's also I think having these pop up sort of uh, not time specific. Cavalcades means there's no sort of major disruption in the crowd flow throughout the park, right? Think about how you're trying to get from point A to point B, usually me going from one restaurant into Tomorrowland to the egg roll cart in Adventureland, and you can't (laughs) because the parade is coming by and there's just so many people in your ways. These short mini parades, I think, serve many masters because you get not one, not two, but often sometimes maybe four. Different parades throughout the day. And while we no longer have the same type of character interactions and meet and greets, again, lemonade from lemons, you no longer are waiting in line half your day sometimes to meet characters. Remember when Anna and Elsa came to Magic Kingdom, the lines were <laughs> six to eight hours long. I think that you're getting near face to face interactions because you can, these sort of cavalcades pop up you are relatively close to them, right? Think about you could be standing outside of Tangerine Cafe uh, in Morocco and this processional will go by and it goes by so slowly and the princesses are so good at making sure I get the sense that they make eye contact with everyone. So while I can't run up and hug, much to my dismay, I still sort of feel like, and I think families will feel like they're getting those interactions. So, to a certain degree, you all, you know, the cavalcades can almost feel like a little bit of an improvement because think about it. Characters now are coming by, not just on floats, but <coughs> by car, <coughs> by boat, by carriage, on floats, right, throughout the days. And I think you get all of these surprise and delight moments without having to go okay like it's like a military operation when you plan your disney day like okay this parade is at this time which means means that mom needs to line up an hour ahead and then we have to run to our adr right 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 i I think and we've seen multiple incarnations of these with the the halloween ones the holiday ones the ones at at epcot Uh, i really really like the cavalcades and to your point this is one of the things i hope stays after this is all gone.
2: There's also something yeah. about the spontaneity of it mm-hmm. that it's exciting. I, I didn't expect to see Jack Skellington. There he is. You know, it was great because right, normally you have to wait four hours to meet him during a Halloween party.
0: And really yeah. you weren't supposed to run up and hug the princesses anyway. So. I
3: oh boy. Run well, up and hug is a bit of an over. I wait my turn <laughs> nine times out of 10.
4: And I I think that that is going to take in, I I finally figured out my answer, but I really don't have an answer, but pulling all of you together, it really was for me um, a masterclass in business survival, watching how Disney pivoted and figured out how to still deliver some sort of magical experience, right? There was a lot of challenges here and I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall to listen to some of these conversations of how they could come about. Uh, with with some of these enhancements to to make the experience as close as possible to what they feel is a magical experience to deliver. I mean, like I said to your point before of, of Disney feeling like it's the safest place you could possibly be. And for those of you who are wondering why I haven't gone, it's because I have to get on a plane to get there. And from there, from the airport to Walt Disney World, not to mention my doctors would probably kill me if I tried. But Because of all the things that they sat down and really put their heads around, we got things like the cavalcades and um, more of an emphasis on conveniences like mobile ordering, um, check in without having to stop at the desk, all of these uh, enhancements to the experience that aren't going to hopefully later on down the line, ended up being in a line so that you don't have to wait to check in, you don't have to wait to check out, you can um, now, of course, we're seeing that even shopping experiences uh, can be done mobily when you're in the park. There's all of these new uh, technologies and enhancements to the experience that hopefully will take you out of a line. So you don't have to spend your time um, waiting to, you know, tackle a princess. You can have that wonderful waiting enjoy?
3: online to tackling a princess. It was one time. It was one time
4: but that, i think that that's one of the things we're getting and also how how many times well you guys being locals but if i just asked the uh, the universe of those who are listening how many times have you returned from from disney world or disneyland with a cold i mean i have a feeling with all of the places that they've the things that they put in and even the hand sanitizers hopefully those will stay um hopefully it, Vacation experiences will, will be a lot more healthy going forward because of, of this. So I, I think that there's been a lot of improvements that will stay around for a while. Hopefully some of these things that are causing us to distance won't need to be there for the, the
3: long term. But um, I, I think a lot of innovations have come because of this. I, I agree 100 percent. And a lot of the things that I sort of have on my list are are things like things that were put into place out of look, necessity being the mother of invention. Sometimes you happen upon things that I think, to your point, can and should remain. So, for example, I actually think that, and, and hear me out when I, so I can explain what I mean. I think that dining experiences have gotten better, and what I mean by that is this: the mobile ordering system, when it first started to be rolled out. It was something, like for me, it was something that other people did. Like, I would just prefer to go up and order and just wait in line and do my thing. I have come to realize it's actually a really good, much better, much more efficient system because Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's another thing that's cutting down your time spent in line. Like And and again, we're local. We have the blessing of, of being here. But think about the family that invest so much money on their vacation and how much time i would almost love to sort of to have known like how much time was spent just waiting in line just waiting in line to get your egg roll to get your your ronto wrap so now having done this over the past few months i really like this system being able to just order everything there click on a button and then say i'm here And then obviously there's cast members stationed at the entrance is directing you to these numbered, physically distant stationed to collect your order. But if you still need, you know, um, allergies or you need to pay with cash or if you need to get ice water, I mean, they can still do those things. But I think especially from a on a on a counter service location system, it's actually come to work out really, really well.
0: I think it's a much easier process for parents in particular at, at this point, whether you're talking about, you know, a, a reservation for, you know, a, a um, an ADR where you're, you know, waiting with your children and having to check in now that even that is a mobile option. But to say the least, the mobile ordering option is wonderful. Like I have two little boys who are, you know, very seasoned in the Disney World, you know, processes, but I know there's parents out there who are got, you know, many more kids than I have and are on, exhausted on family vacations that are dealing with the same thing, like to be able to, you know, be in line for an attraction and pull up the mobile order. Everybody says they're hungry. You pull up your mobile order while you're waiting in line. You get to show your kids the menu, you pick what you want, you put the order in, and then you say, I'm here and just go pick up your food. It's the, the, from a especially from a like a parent of young children perspective, it's a much, much easier process um, with mobile ordering and the other options that are now in place and are becoming more user-friendly with the current situation.
3: Well, even at table service, right? I think even mm-hmm. table service is more efficient because remember, you'd have your ADR, you'd go to check in at seven o'clock and you'd be waiting 20 minutes in line to mm-hmm. check in at the host stand. Now you go, you do mobile Dine check-in on your app and then you get a text alert when your table is ready. So and again that's not rolled out everywhere I think yet. I think some third party restaurants don't necessarily have that in place yet. But again, it's it's a much more efficient type of system. Look, and we also have now this idea of of increased walk up availability and it's not just you having to go from location to location to location to ask. You could now just pull up the My Disney Experience app and search for what has walk-up availability at different table service restaurants, which I think gives you a lot more flexibility if you don't want to be a super planner or you have kids or the nap ran long or security had to escort you from, you know, hugging a princess for two, whatever the case <laughs> may be. There, the, the, the the efficiency of the systems has i think improved and is something that can carry over post pandemic i agree so i so i'll just i'll keep going then with other things that i think that we got as um As as benefits from 20... I'll stick with dining. We also got some new dining locations. Regal Eagle Smokehouse, which another quick service location, which I think Epcot, specifically World Showcase, needed. Um, I always... I never felt that... The quick service location at American Adventure was the strongest location in Epcot yep. for me. But <laughs> now you've got these Memphis, Kansas City, North Carolina, and Texas barbecue. I have to make sure so to good. mention them all because I know people are very, very passionate about their barbecue. <laughs> and that's uh, Outdoor Wood Smoker is like this olfactory weenie that sort of draws you in. Like, you know, it's not just this, this visual thing that brings you in, but the smell that normally you would only get during some of the festivals is now there all year round. It's so
4: good, too. It's hard to, to decide what you're going to choose from that menu because it's so
3: good. Becky, I have a confession.
4: What? You haven't gone. Oh! <gasps> Oh my gosh, if I've eaten in somewhere in Disney World. No, do not, right now. Right now. do not start that right now. Do not start that right
3: now. Becky, week after week, I'm like, can any <laughs> would anybody go dine with me somewhere for I get nothing. nothing. Don't make me get on a plane.
4: I I don't make me get on a plane. I have not <laughs> eaten
2: there either. And I will go. Let's go. What? You. What? I have not will go now.
3: Okay. I bet I'll Lou,
2: let's do it. We're gonna do it. <laughs> and there are good things on that menu that I will it's eat. It's really sure. good.
4: I, I was there for the opening. It was really, really good. So, I, uh, wow. I've actually eaten
3: somewhere that Lou has not. That's you you have. a knocker. Listen, you've also never taken me to Napa Rose, but whatever. So Oh, you want to go down that path? Do You want to go <laughs> you down the path took me of- there for water. I only was allowed to get wow. a Wow. <laughs> All right. Other good things. Argument think, for another time. Other good things that I think came out of And this one actually might be controversial. Right, really? a, little, a little bit of controversy. I think that Cinderella castle is better and brighter and more he beautiful than error. Agree. A hundred percent. Uh, in mid July around the 11th, that, that classic gray was replaced with the pinks and that I love that, that vibrant blue and that gold, which you may or may not realize was actually the color scheme that was on some of the other fantasy land buildings behind it. So, I actually, and again, if you've only seen it in pictures, I think you need to see it with your own eyes. There are some incredibly oversaturated pictures on Instagram and Twitter that are not um, that are not necessarily reflective of what it looks like. But I think in person, I think the castle is beautiful. See, that was my point right there,
4: is that if you've only seen it through the filters that everybody is throwing throwing on all their pictures, there's no way that I can make a determination if it's good or not, so... I have to kind of
0: bow out of that conversation. She's very photogenic. Um and I think at Golden like She has a nice
3: personality.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, I I do, you know, I I I have a lot of respect for the classic Grey Castle and how it was different from so many other of the the castles and other parks. Um, you know, 50th is coming up. I think um, you know, 70 years old. She Cinderella needed a little makeover. And um, I also think that it was probably You know, painted with the idea that you know the sun would um, tone tone her down a bit over time. I was looking actually. I was looking last night at the um, the concept art that was originally released for it, and it is a little more soft um, than it looks right now. And I think you know that that probably is where we're probably going to be in a few months from now. But it is it is beautiful, Um, and I'll fully admit that having seen it so frequently now since um, it's it's hard to think back on when it was gray it, it, I'll, I'll i'll fully admit that um it looks old. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, like the, the great pictures are like oh beautiful. she looks <laughs>
3: old <laughs> wow mature she looked mature <laughs> she looks mature. wow <laughs> bless her and I heart do, and
0: i will say that from, behi- wow. from behind <laughs> oh wow really <laughs> no but, but when you're no it's exactly what lou was saying about the fantasy land colors when you're when you're looking at the castle from Cinderella's rule table entrance from behind and you're seeing like Sir Mickey's and some of the other things that are more on that color scheme it feels very right coming down Main Street it feels like it feels very different because it's the only thing that's that's different but it does mesh very well when you're looking at it from Fanning. like if you stand at the carousel and kind of look forward the the, the color scheme really does make a lot of sense
3: and I think you're right. I think, I think you know, one summer out in the Florida sun um, is going yeah. to to mute her a little. Well, and so even as an extension of that, again, the good that resulted, we don't have nighttime firework spectaculars. What we did get starting with the holidays are, well, even before the holidays we had them, the nighttime castle projections that are just there. Again, you don't have to sort of stand there and wait and take, a couple of hours in a crowd they're just ongoing all the time i remember the ones at christmas time were beautiful and the the twilight zone has it the tree of life has it every night now at at disney's animal kingdom and the fact that they can so easily be changed for the seasons and the holidays um breathes a, a different type of life into it at night
2: and the magic kingdom muppets came back
3: oh that's right I forgot the Muppets left and then they came and I, to see it even. I, and more. I don't know,
2: I don't know if they would do that. I don't know if that was really a COVID thing that came back, but I think so. To keep people outside with entertainment, they thought, let's bring that back. So that's kind of a positive.
0: It's nice how interactive it is. And I will say, as someone who fell in love with Disney all over again, literally watching Celebrate the Magic, the the projections for me are just a very special thing and I I think they're it's an art that they perfected. I, it's that Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway, that one scene where it goes from the prior scene to where you're underwater and it's there's great. like that squid thing. I mean but, like what they've done with projections at yeah. Disney. And, and, and depending upon where you're I
2: sitting, know. you don't see the squid with the horn. Sometimes you do, yeah. sometimes you don't. yeah. So that's I,
0: yeah, I so, yeah, definitely, definitely appreciate it. And they have a little little firework thing going on. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So the, it's like a it's like a hint of fireworks. Like, just enough to... Baby steps forward. Yeah. Baby Yoda steps forward. (laughs) We're getting there, I promise. I promise (laughs) we will talk about Grogu. Please, he has a name. He's not Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. Um, (laughs) Baby Yoda. (laughs) um, Okay, well, wait. In the same vein of potentially controversial, we did get a new attraction announcement uh, in Magic Kingdom where Splash Mountain is going to be rethemed to a Princess and the Frog attraction. Mm -hmm. Uh, They announced that this has been a project that Imagineering at the time had been working on for over a year. Again, this was very much at the time of... Uh, a great deal of of civil unrest uh, that was going on but Disney said no this is something that that we had been working on long before Um, Tony Baxter is going to be a creative advisor for the attraction and it's going to be overseen by Sharita Carter um, who has extensive wonderful work with um, with the company Um, and you know as part of and and I want to sort of include this here too as part of that announcement and as part of of that change which by the way as an aside i am excited for Um, i I love the music and the setting of princess and the frog it has nothing to do with beignets at all Um, i think the music and the score is just spectacular but as part of this attraction which josh tomorrow said is very much going to be fast-tracked in terms of um, getting it implemented Sooner rather than later. So I think it's not one of the ones that potentially may have been put on hold. There is something else that comes as a a result from it. And Disney is adding to their four guiding principles known as their four keys. And the fifth key that's being added is inclusion. Um, And and Josh said, we believe that a truly inclusive environment is critical, fostering ideas from all people to help us grow, innovate and create the best stories possible. So, again, it it very much ties into not just what was going on outside of the Disney world, but tying into the retheming of the attraction to Princess and the Frog. Thoughts on the attraction itself uh, and the change?
0: I mean, setting aside um, you know, the the civil it's hard to set it aside, but setting aside the civil unrest mm-hmm. that um was going on while this announcement was made, whether Disney was previously, you know, seriously considering the change or not. You know, I, I think um, you know, we all we all love a Splash Mountain, um, you know, in in its own right. But, you know, it's been a little dusty. Need a little need a little um it, you know, I remember this reminds me of the conversation when they made the change of pirates. Um you know, and a, another attraction that, you know, may have needed some attention in some different scenes. And I remember saying then, like, you know, whether you felt strongly about the redhead, you know, or not, if we're going to, you know, make a change, why not change the scene where we're auctioning off women? Um, You know, so <laughs> I feel semi-similar <laughs> about Splash about and I'm excited to see what's to come. I think it's going to be, I, I can only imagine what the Imagineers are going to do with being, given, um, you know, carte blanche on making a princess and the frog, you know, themed changes and th- what, you know, such as such just a stunning, just sort of huge attraction. Um, you know, and if if we get beignets in frontier land, I won't be complaining about yeah, that.
4: And uh, for me, I think it's time. I, I think that it speaks to uh, the current generation and I've never been a big fan of that attraction because I get wet and <laughs> I really don't like getting wet, so I kind of uh, have um, stayed away from Splash Mountain. However, uh, with, with Charita, uh leading the charge, she is going to be fantastic at putting um, this theming together for this attraction. And again, it's going to kind of speak to the... I, I know there was a lot of controversy with, um, with uh, bringing in Frozen into Norway, but uh, look at how popular it is. Look at the the families are enjoying this attraction together, which was what Walt wanted families to be able to do. And I think Splash Mountain um, pulling together that Princess and the Frog theme is going to enhance the family experience. And again, Sharita's doing it. I, I'm thumbs up.
2: Disney, for good reason, is is uneasy about releasing Song of the South, the film. Kids today do not know Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Bear and Br'er Fox, mm-hmm. except for the ride. The gift shop is pretty much lost on them on the way out. It only makes sense to make it something that, you know, everybody will understand and know. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up with Song of the South. I loved it. I didn't see an issue with it when I was a kid growing up and seeing the issues. I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm great for this change. I just hope it's not a quick uh, change. And I don't think it will be, I think it'll be, you know, implemented quickly, but I think it's going to be a big overhaul where it's not just a quick band aid. and I can't wait to see what they're going to do with it. I just know I need a mama Odie animatronic somewhere.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, think about some of the
3: visuals from the film that could mm-hmm. be implemented in that attraction. Again, with looking at what they're doing With some of the the projection mapping, even inside attractions like Seven Dwarfs Mine Train and and some of the others. So it gives me, um, again, and in my opinion, Disney sort of earned my trust in terms of what they'll be able to bring in and and breathing new life into that attraction. Uh, One thing that somebody said that sort of sparked a thought, too, was I think we've also been able to come out of 2020 with some interesting advances in... The utilization implementation of technology both inside and outside of the park. The mobile device, which I used to, you know, almost complain that people spent too much time looking for, is very much now a a tool that can be used not just for in park experiences, but now so many of your magic band features are going to be available through the My Disney Experience app. Becky, you mentioned earlier, I loved. Being able to check in to Disney's Riviera Resort, not have to wait in a queue in the lobby, get push notifications on my phone and use my phone to unlock my door. I'm not a big magic band guy. Obviously, starting now in January, magic bands will not be given out to every guest. You can still purchase them, you can upgrade it, etc. But you don't need it anymore because the digital key feature allows you to unlock the resort room. On your phone, um, I think to an extension of that in terms of the utilization of the phone, the the queuing system that they've used in terms of a virtual queue for rise of the resistance um, has overall made the experience better because you are not necessarily waiting in line all day. I am fully aware that it is a, you know, it's a video game. Like, it's a fastest finger thing now to see how quickly you can get it. But, again, Disney has improved the system because you no longer need to get to the park at 4 a.m., be in the park for 7, make sure you're one of the first ones, and then now there's the second time you don't, you know... you. The fact that they've been able to adjust and say, you don't need to be in the park that early. We have two different virtual queue times, uh, I think has made the overall experience better. Because again, there's a a sense of efficiency to how your day is. Mm -hmm. Do you guys like, do you you (laughs) like the virtual queue system? And would you like to see it implemented on other e-ticket attractions as well?
2: I didn't like it so much with Rise in the beginning. I have to see it work easier before I would say, yes, I want to see it on others. If if it, if it, so
3: for example, now Flight of Passage still during the busy times of year has a very long wait. Assuming that, you know, it does the thing, they don't go as quickly as they do for Rise. Would you like to be able to just sort of have that, you know, locked in return sure. time? Yeah. Rather than standing outside. Remember, it's Animal Kingdom hot in Animal Kingdom. So imagine standing yeah. in that exterior queue for two hours
2: in August. Yes, absolutely.
0: I just I mean, don't I want a, it to be I like. A, what I would love to see come, I'm sorry, John. What That's I would a- love to see come out of it is sort of a hybrid system. You know, there are the people who love to plan their trips or for whatever reason, you know, benefit a lot um, in being able to kind of plan their schedule for the day months in advance. Um, who, you know, benefit from the current FastPass system. Um, there's people who don't mind hopping in a standby line. And then there's people who would really benefit from a virtual queue. I think they all have their place. Um, you know, and knowing Disney, I'm sure they'll figure out a way to kind of work them all together. I would love to have a, you know, see a system where there's a certain number of, you know, line spaces set aside for a fast Pass that somebody might want to reserve in advance and then something that works a little bit more like a Disneyland, you know, walk up fast pass or virtual queue um, type system that's more real time, um, you know, and then have a standby queue. So I I think they all have their place depending on what your kind of vacationing preferences are. Um, And knowing Disney, they'll figure out a way to make them all work together.
4: I'm thinking we're going to see some sort of hybrid system as well, especially looking at the success that they had with Disneyland system. I have a feeling that that might come into play. Um, But of course, that'll be interesting when Disneyland does open up because between the reservation system that they have to implement there to open and their um, FastPass system that they have there, it'll be interesting to see what they come up with in their hybrid. Because whatever they do, I have a feeling
3: we'll see in Disney
4: World later on down the
3: line. You know, in thinking back to all the things that we talked about in in the benefits of 2020, I realized looking at my notes that I, we didn't mention food enough. Um, so I want to quickly mention not and I haven't been there yet because, again, speaking of lines, the lines are just opened up last week. Uh, Gideon's Bakehouse just opened in um, on December 23rd in um, in Disney Springs. If you remember, for a while, uh, they were selling a limited supply of Gideon's cookies at Polite Pig. I've been to the location in Winter Park, which is wonderful. But again, lines are out the door, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. But more importantly, what we did get was the opportunity to feast and fest because we had the taste of of the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival, we had the taste of the Epcot Holidays Around the World, pivoting and adjusting, and giving us instead of just discontinuing them all together, giving us a a sampling uh, with some new additions for both of those festivals. Again, as somebody who clearly looking at my physique likes a good food and wine festival in Epcot, uh, what did you guys think of uh, each of the festivals? sort of the mini festivals.
0: I loved it. I thought I, I, I'll fully own that. I thought they were out of their minds launching this mini food and wine on the same day that they opened to the park <laughs> um, in January and in, in July, just kind of knowing like what that initial festival day is like, <laughs> it just seemed, seemed a little daring, but it seemed to go off without a hitch at least um, from the outside. And um, I really loved you know, obviously they had to scale it back. And I, I know, I love that they, you know, found a way to make it happen. Obviously we missed eat to the beat and candlelight processional and all the other entertainment options, but I love that they found a way to, to make it happen. And also the fact that they kind of took advantage of that opportunity to, at least to me, the menu seemed like kind of a best of, so they were kind of bringing back like favorites from each of the festivals, you know, food and wine. Like we, we were just seeing like, Instead of them, obviously, they didn't have, you know, the time or resources with the, how fast the reopening happened. But, you know, they didn't really have time to come up with new menus for each of these kitchens. And so instead, they kind of took advantage of the opportunity to give us a lot of our favorites back. Um, so I really enjoyed that. And I really love how they've been making use of World Show Place, um for entertainment. And, um, and again, some like, you know, best of, you know, kind of options, some, some new booths
2: i'll I'll agree with that i didn't go too often uh to Epcot i was really sticking with magic Kingdom for that nostalgic thing but uh yeah i i went back to my favorites i didn't really try too many new things now that i'm thinking about it
3: clearly you're going with the wrong people john
2: Cle- clear- Clearly
3: <laughs> if clearly clearly there was somebody who would oh, <laughs> spare me <laughs> <laughs> a couple of quick little things we got a Grand Floridian walkway a nice little leisurely walk over to Magic Kingdom probably not in the middle of summer and what's (laughs) old is new again the Epcot Prism Pylons are back Uh, they came back right before uh, Christmas uh, in the same location that the original 1982 fountain stood. Um, I have not actually been to the parks as yet to see them with my own eyes once the, the walls have been down, but I've seen some spectacular photos. Lisa, I know you posted some photos of the prisms at night and they're gorgeous.
0: Yeah, they're really beautiful. And I think one of the things that's really difficult to appreciate um in a lot of the pictures, you're seeing more of it now, but the extent to which the spotlights shine into the sky from it is really, really stunning. Um, and it really just opens up, you know, that that whole area. And again, I like I'm such a broken record on this topic, um, but like the extent to which like the Imagineers are good at honoring the past when they move forward and you know uh, honoring the Disney fandom. um you know, uh, you know, as they move forward with new things, I mean, this is just such a testament to that because it's, it's this beautiful new thing, but at its heart, it really is a testament to the history of Epcot. So they're, they're absolutely beautiful um, to see in person. You don't miss
3: the monoliths. You don't miss, miss the big,
0: (laughs) no, the
3: big (laughs) great tombstone graveyard.
4: Yeah. The the Epcot graveyard. I, I always hated going in the front entrance because of those things. So I'm so happy that they're gone.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. It really is beautiful. And to me, it's just, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about this more, especially looking at 2021, but, you know, especially with the extent to which sort of the center of future world really is just behind, behind walls right now. It's just this, it's just this perfect little taste of what's to come. Um, so I, 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 really enjoy them.
2: And as we're keeping reminded of old Epcot, Tony Baxter keeps toying with us talking about him doing something, hopefully with journey into imagination. And I can only hope. <laughs> Uh, John, I I still
3: believe, I said this last year, my feeling is that there are plans for a a reimagining of the entire pavilion. What I think, and I can be completely off base, but in my little nerdy heart of hearts, this is where I think they did not want to dilute the announcements that were made at D23 Expo in terms of, remember, all the things that are going to be coming timing is everything but all the things that will be coming to epcot i think that they wanted to save that announcement for d20 uh, for destination d in walt disney world which would have been this past november which obviously got canceled now obviously with pandemic pushing timelines back i still think that plane is in flight it's just a matter of timing when that announcement is going to be there is no way that that pavilion especially that post-show area would look the way it would look if there were not plans for a major change coming to that pavilion. I
2: agree, and I hope you're right 100%. I,
3: I don't think that a Christmas sweater on Figment is the only change that was necessarily <laughs> snuck in there that they're planning. Well, um, it's cute though, <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was cute, it was. And I think, and as we start to look ahead, I, I think I hashtag more figment uh i think we're gonna see yeah. much more figment uh in epcot as he has quietly sort of regained his status as the mascot for that park and i think I, who he is and what he stands for we need more we need figment now more than ever
2: i agree i i more think merch. my my uh, wish for that pavilion is that we get an original Dreamfinder figment ride in there. Not, you know, to rehash it and be exactly like the past, but something like that would be amazing.
3: I, I don't think, you know, I also don't think that they're going to rebuild World of Motion. I hate to disappoint you, but I do think that there will be a return of Dreamfinder, especially based on on the popularity of the comic yes, book
0: series. I agree.
3: Too. So he might not look the same way um he too might have gone through a little bit of a ma- he went to the same people that the castle did for a little bit of a makeover <laughs> for a dream finder um and we'll, we'll see oh, he's gonna what, be a little more a little more glamorous a little, a little more svelte he might <laughs> he might have
0: look so, a little bit more like bing bong from inside out <laughs>
3: <laughs> don't make fun of him he and, he and i shop at the same short and fat guy store but <laughs> speaking of speaking of getting a, a little svelte um i Again, and I know we're talking about the the good things that came out. I I do want to say both from a personal as well as an an overarching discussion of the year, uh, all of the Walt Disney World marathons um, this year, after the the initial marathon, all of the, the endurance races were canceled this year. And it's a bad thing. It's a sad thing because it means so much to people, not just from a personal achievement way or, or an event type of way. But I think because from a social perspective um, that there was a lot that came from those weekends Um, as much as I might, you know, Becky and I, we we might uh, not necessarily love getting up at two o'clock and standing in those parking lots. We love getting up at two o'clock and standing in the parking lots. But, but I also do believe that there was some good that came out of this because Disney did pivot and they said, all right, look, we can't do these races in person, but we're going to start doing a lot more virtual races. And my hope is that maybe those virtual races, those easily accessible races that you could do on your treadmill, in your literal or figurative backyard, you know, whether it be a 5K, a 10K, whatever, might hopefully have gotten some more people off the couch and introduce them into something that maybe they were a little hesitant to take the leap into before. Like you, maybe that's <laughs> not the <get> craziest. <laughs> this is not a body that's built for no. running.
4: Yeah, and I I agree that it does reach out farther to the masses to be able to participate. I guess that's part of the inclusion. Anybody can can participate at that level, and that's the positive part. But. I am not going to gloss over the fact that I know this isn't the big sunshiny moment um, uh, of this, but tomorrow I would have been flying to Walt Disney world for us to get up at two o'clock in the morning to, um, to be part of marathon. So it is kind of a, I'm seeing the memories pop up on Facebook and and so forth. So it's again, another thing, I guess, that um, I, I never would have thought that I would say, I miss getting up at two o'clock in the morning to go out there and stand on our feet for eight to ten hours and hug a bunch of sweaty people. But um, I really Becky, do. In
3: your honor, in your oh, honor boy. tonight, so I am going, going to, go to get and- up at two o'clock in the morning. I'm <laughs> going to buy an egg McMuffin, and I will and I will send you a selfie.
4: See, I, stand in an empty I miss my egg McMuffins. My, <laughs> it's all McMuffin about. For you. There are three things that happen here. It's you picking me up at like some ungodly hour at like 245 in the morning, the egg McMuffin that I'm always promised every year that I'm not going to get this year. And, you know, just listening to you. <laughs> Talk about how much purel you need to bathe in.
3: Um, I miss the sweaty after. hugs. Yes, uh, we'll we'll get to you know other events and yeah. stuff too. But Lisa, just very quickly, as as the only runner <laughs> here in the group, um, again, have how, how the 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 lack of physical events has affected you, and then what you've seen in terms of either Disney or people on their own, sort of doing their own virtual events to get people together while still being physically apart.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, one of the things that I get most emotional about as I look back at old pictures, um, you know, throughout this whole situation as has been the race pictures, um, you know, obviously run Disney is one of my big things. Um, I do every race on property. Normally uh, we went through and um, we, we had uh, marathon weekend this, you know, last year, we had princess race weekend last year. Um, before the cancellations started to roll out, um, obviously Star Wars was canceled, Wine and Dine was canceled, and we are now canceled through Star Wars um, of of 2021. So we we all have our fingers crossed for you know the the fall running season and and Wine and Dine. Um, you know it, it it's it's not so much um, you know the physical activity because if you want to go for a run, you can go for a run, um, but the the sort of grand nature of, of the race weekend here at Disney. Um, I'm not talking about character meet and greets I'm talking about the community. Um, it's, it's, it's been very, do- very tough. Um, I do think that um, I, I'm a huge proponent of the virtual race. I think that um, it's running in its purest form. You're not out there for the characters or the friends or the the blingy finish lines or the race medals. You're out there to honor the race that you trained for. Um, and so I think that there's, um, I think that virtuals can be a really, really great thing. If you want to make them a great thing. Um, you know, that being said, I think that the community, um, I think we've all, you know, speaking of things that we realize that we miss, I think that, um, or maybe took for granted before, I think the run Disney race community, um, you know, not just the people running with the people cheering and, you know, the full experience, um, is something that we'll never take for granted again. Um, but I also think that we've seen the race community come together in a really beautiful way through all of this, and and keep supporting each other through social media or or other ways. So, um, you know, I I think you know the race community has done really beautiful things during this entire time, and I think we'll never take take the events for granted again. So I I do hope that they come back um, stronger than ever next fall.
3: Now listen, uh, you know, from uh, from a personal perspective, uh, you know, the races are important to me not just because of the running team but because of the 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 community aspect that's associated with it and and to that point i know for me like uh, it's been a huge loss not being able to do meet to the month every month um i always knew how important they were it really hits home when you can't do it um, and and I've tried to figure out ways to to do them in a safe and responsible way, and I just haven't been able to. And yes, you can do them virtually, but you understand the importance of of a handshake and a hug and looking into somebody's eyes and that and that physical contact. Um, and you know, to that point too, you know, the run Disney races and other events weren't the only things that were canceled. Um, we had an adventures by WDW Radio Adventures by Disney to Wyoming uh-huh. that was canceled. Um, there were events in December that we had to cancel. The Marvel Day at Sea Cruise was canceled. Our Adventures by Disney to Italy was canceled. My Momentum Retreat was canceled. My Momentum Workshop Weekend was canceled. The events that I haven't even told Becky that I was going to plan had to get canceled. Uh, it was devastating, Not and it has nothing to do with, with any sort of a, of a financial perspective. It has to do with an extension of the community and and gathering and, you know, what those things mean uh, in terms of from an experiential perspective and and not a financial one.
4: You really don't know how much you miss people until you have no way of seeing them ever again, (laughs) or at least it feels that way when you've been in a self-imposed exile in the same chair for 10 months. Um, I, I keep going back to one of the highlights, and the shining moments of 2020 for me. And if I start thinking, what made me happy in 2020? There was literally one thing, and that was the NOLA cruise, where I know I, I'm my heart just – it sings when I think about it because – We were all together and we had that opportunity to. For me, I got to visit a a city I'd never seen before. And the group was such a fantastic group of people, and we got to spend time together. And, you know, how much, I guess, when we went, it felt normal. It felt, these are, we do this three or four times a year. We get the community together um, three or four times or more a year. And uh how normal it felt to see each other and be together and freeze to death the night before on that dinner cruise and all the things that, that we experienced together on the cruise itself and in Tiana's and all the fun we had, um, just to turn around and just a few weeks later have all the parks close. But when people do ask me, tell me something great that happened in 2020, um, that's what I keep turning back to because I have so many warm, wonderful, great memories of all the people that I miss so much right now
0: It's funny, Becky, like that it's the same for me and and I said to I said to Lou um yesterday, intellectually, I knew that it was this year, but as I was prepping for this show yesterday, I had to literally go back in my notes and make sure it was this year because it doesn't It it feels like a thousand years ago. Yeah.
4: I did the same thing this morning. I sent a note to Lou because as I was looking through my calendar to make sure I wouldn't miss anything, I totally blew off in my brain that Disneyland's versions of of Rise of the Resistance opened in January of Mm -hmm. of 2020. I totally had forgotten about that entire experience. And and we spent a great amount of time together um, in in Disneyland. And we had Dan with us uh, from Coffee with Kenobi and... That was a great experience, but mentally I had totally forgotten that it that it happened uh, because there's just been so much that's gone on. So I'm with you on that. But but Nola and that oh the the beignet place <laughs> and the coffee and in um, the new lounge on the ship. <laughs> now you're
3: just pouring. Now you're just pouring hot sauce in the wound. I so, know, I know, but it know. really. Well, same thing with Marvel. You know, the Marvel cruise. Marvel being Day at sea, You know, you and we, I should we, be we spending. We held out. We held out. Hope. I know. Um, uh, I was lighting candles in my room just to, like, in hopes that it would, it would happen. Um, Knowing, yeah, in my because heart of hearts, it wouldn't, but.
4: Right now we should be ha- having eight-hour calls
3: about all we the prep. We should be freaking out about all the stuff we didn't order and yes. paying exorbitant prices <laughs> to have stuff overnighted to us. You know, <laughs> As usual, per normal. We, we, we have a year and a half to plan, and we wait until the week before to start ordering stuff. Um, yeah. So you mentioned Disneyland, and I'll, I'll quickly sort mm-hmm. of hop over there. Before, anything else in Walt Disney World from 2020 that you want to mention either that – You missed, we gained, um, or or specifically want to call out? I just miss it, and I want to go back. Okay, so you (laughs) you miss it. Let me put this in context for you. Okay. Disneyland was open for a grand total of 75 days. In the entire year? In 2020. Uh, That's crazy. That's crazy. Wow. Remember the... So as somebody who wrote trivia books and like, oh, like one of the trivia questions was, how many days has like Walt Disney World or Disneyland ever been closed? And it was for like a hurricane or Mm 9-11. Disneyland was closed for 300, a whole lot of days (laughs) in 2020. (laughs) Only opened first right. So you talked about, you know, they opened with with Galaxy's Edge and we were excited Mm -hmm. for, um, you know, a new hotel that was going to be built. We were excited for the the daytime parade. I remember, you want to see me cry, talking about Avengers Campus and Web Slingers, (laughs) a Spider-Man. Yep. I I was
4: going to say we needed a moment of silence with you for for Avengers Campus. It was supposed to
3: open on July 18th. And we were Becky. We had plans. We had events
4: planned in hotels. We had events. We had everything set and ready to, to go. Yep. And, you know,
3: without getting into a a deep conversation about it, obviously California, different parts of the country and world are in in different states, literally and figuratively. But, you know, Disneyland is still closed. And there does not seem to be, at at the date of this recording, there does not seem to be any timeline in place as to when it it can open. However, I want to give Disneyland huge, huge kudos in a very smart safe and responsible way said they hope they reopened um downtown disney in in july or or whenever wherever it was that they opened and they're like oh Buena vista street is part of the shopping district too and which allowed guests to go at least into disney california adventure park (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was brilliant on their part and at least
4: allowed people to go and experience the atmosphere. Um and it's not that it hasn't been popular because the the lines just to get into the downtown district itself have been crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it's been extraordinarily popular. And I'm glad that they did that. And it gave people something to enjoy rather than to just stand in front of the closed lock gates out front of Disneyland to take their selfie. Um, so it, it's, it's really great to see that they've tried to figure out uh, ways to utilize the property within the guidelines that are in California. I mean, Knott's Berry Farm did a great job. And I think that what uh, They opened up for food festivals right away and to see Disneyland finally go, yeah, hey, I think we could probably do something like that and, and to accomplish it and to give people, uh, the locals in the area, and of course the locals are so important to Disneyland, uh, that it, the ability to experience it while it's still technically closed, um, I, I
3: think that they did a great job with that. I'm so happy to see it. And look, I, I pray for the people of California, for Disneyland, for everything that that things start opening up and, and getting back to you know, a safe, normal environment. No,
4: store. no. What you wanna look forward to is being able to go in and buy a yes. spider bot.
3: No, <laughs> I just all. want to go I just <laughs> wanna go and be it's like Walt Disney World. I wanna be I in that place again. Right. Tell I want me to be about back it back to that place one more time and, uh, and look i want to go ride spider-man like it's this is my dream coming true um to to have a spider-man attraction in in a disney park yeah but um, you
4: just want to go and buy a spider bot you just I want don't. One, little
3: bots I, I, okay. I mean
4: you don't I, I play with one
3: I, maybe <laughs> maybe just for research purposes you're
4: always. it's gonna be like a ps5 you're gonna be out there at like two o'clock in the morning when downtown disney shops are gonna open up with the little web bots i know it I can see it in my mind of minds. It's going to be you wanting a spider bot and a corn dog. It's all going to be about that. Oh, and something in a cone. Oh
3: god, cones. <laughs> How I miss you show. I'm going to
4: make up. I have a lot of time to make up on the Disneyland other, dining. The um, other thing with Disneyland though is you mentioned it really quickly in passing, but they are their brand new daytime parade. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had it, they opened it, they had it go down the street and people loved the brand new parade. And it lasted all of, what, a couple of weeks yeah. before they had to shut that down. So um, I'm looking forward to being able to see magic happens um, when we can all get there to enjoy it again.
3: Okay. Any, before we leave the parks, um, because thankfully there was a lot of Disney to do outside the parks in the comfort of our own home. Anything that you guys want to mention in the parks before we move on? Because. <laughs> <laughs> good. Because I think we need to uh, to take a moment and give a huge, like, expression of thanks to Kevin Feige, John yes. Favreau, and Dave Filoni. Woo hoo! I agree. You. Boy, timing is everything. Disney Plus, <laughs> um, much it, much like Iger's um, retirement, and we're going to talk about the executives too. <laughs> so if you remember, so Disney Plus launched in november 2019 right 10 million subscribers like on launch day it it's crazy what happens in in terms of that um how quickly they hit 10 million they gained 86 million since their launch uh which was which was way ahead of the 70 plus that they had expected and thankfully so Because Disney Plus saved our sanity in in so many ways, Um, and you know we could probably talk for for a long period of time about our individual and collective love for what I think has been some of the most complete, thoughtful, um, uh, exciting emotional, beautiful storytelling that is The Mandalorian that, that I have seen on a big or small screen in a long time. And I will put this out there. I think Filoni and Favreau, in no particular order, saved Star Wars. Should get the keys to Lucasfilm.
2: Absolutely.
0: I think it's the best thing Disney's done since the acquisition. I mean, sorry if that offends anyone, but <laughs> I, I mean it from, it comes from a a, a good place.
2: And, and um, for year your- Okay, I'm sorry, good. No, not good. For years now, we've seen TV coming up to cinematic heights. Like, you know, you can get some shows on TV that are about as good as the movies. But I think with this last season of Mandalorian, oh I gosh. finally said, okay, we have surpassed the movie theater in, in some aspects. I can just now be happy with this Disney Plus. It's as good as what I've seen in the theater, at least. And it's made for this venue.
4: Okay, so I've been a Star Wars fan for a while, basically four, five, and six because one, two, and three, it, that's a whole nother story right there. Um, but I didn't get into it so much that I had just immersed myself in all of the backstories and side stories. and, you know, then all of a sudden, this little baby Yoda thing shows up. And I got to go there just for a second. But <laughs> then I'm going to go back to something else. Just hold on. The Baby Yoda shows up and uh, oh my God, I'm obsessed. Um, but season two really brought the storytelling to a level that made me go, oh my gosh, I need to know the stories of all these people. So all of a sudden, fire up Clone Wars. So I've been now binge watching all of the Clone Wars. And I know that I have about three other things that I have to catch up on because – I didn't know all the backstories of Ahsoka and all the other reasons why these people were so important. So this made me that the second season in particular made me fall in love with not just star Wars as a concept of, of episodes four five and six, but brought me to a level of, I now want to understand the whole thing. I've now fallen in love with the entire piece of storytelling and yeah, I now I'm surrounded by about 46 baby Yodas all around me for some strange reason, which means I'm, you know, merchandise. Um, yeah, I'm a target.
0: <laughs> I think I think great storytelling at its best really makes you want to know more and yeah. yourself more in a subject. And I could go there. I mean, we just finished talking about Disney World, but I could go there about, you know, some of the new films that are in world showcase. I mean, you know, Canada far and wide makes me want to explore Canada more and I feel the same way at a much greater level. Um, not having grown up as sort of a star Wars nerd. Um, you know, I, I, I want to learn more. I want to explore the characters. I want to, you know, it it has, it has brought me into that fandom more so than I ever have been before my husband, even who is the nowhere near, you know, a Star Wars nerd at all growing up, I mean, it just wasn't his world at all, loves the show. And he doesn't love it for Grogu or Baby Yoda. He loves it for... You know, it, it, it's like the Jason Statham of Star Wars for him. I mean, he loves watching that sort of Western aspect of the show. So I feel like it's just bringing fandom in that has never been a part of it before. And for me, I mean, I was sort of a casual fan beforehand. Becky, exactly like you said. I mean, it makes me want to learn more about the universe as a whole. Um you know, so the show itself is great, but I think what's really, really wonderful about it is that it's bringing so many new people into that universe and that yeah. world.
4: And I, I really want to know about Beskar
0: and mm-hmm. I want to
4: know about um, Ahsoka and, you know, what, what she went through with Anakin. I, I want to know all this stuff now that I really didn't, frankly, care about
3: before. So, well, right to your point. And, and to Disney's credit, and, and understand what I mean, the only thing better than The Mandalorian is the Disney Gallery show about the yeah. Mandalorian. And yeah, <laughs> let me yep. tell you something, kudos to Disney for being, and, they, and they've, and you know, Lucasfilm was always sort of, you, you know, you sort of document the making of things, but to create a series about the storytelling and the stagecraft and the technology that also yeah. helps to fill the gap in between season one and season two, the Disney gallery, and that, uh, I think it was a six or eight part series, is wonderful and it's not about this is who this character is it's right. how these things get made from a, if the one on music is i was smiling oh, from ear to ear the entire time it is just so smart um and or, such a detailed look at the making of the show um which while it relies heavily on technology the technology is is it's not the narrative the technology technology just supports the storytelling, but once you see how it's done, it gives you an even greater appreciation for it.
4: Yeah, because, because. what they've all, what they've also done is just pulled back the curtain to show you not only how things were made or how things were put together, but the the fascinating parts to me were the technologies that were created because they were necessary. The mother of invention of uh, of like the the projection wall behind everybody and um, getting to know when these that these didn't exist i think we take for granted that oh yeah this technology's been around forever but how you learn um how uh they have created these things over time or have said we need a better way to do this because how they do it used to take three months to try to render it but now it takes us 20 minutes and it's neat to
2: hear those backstories of uh, of how pieces were created i love and even even when you do see behind the curtain it does not take away at all from yeah, the no. actual product. Sometimes somebody tells you how they do something, you go, oh, oh yeah, I see the strings. With this, I've tried to watch going, I still don't get it, but yeah. I'm glad I know how, but it still looks amazing, so yeah. It's
3: well, great. I think even, you know, looking at Disney Plus <clears throat> as a whole, and we can, you know, this is a very, very, very deep rabbit hole to go into. Looking back on 2020, some of the things, in addition to Mandalorian, that... Disney Plus brought us, um, you know, we're we're movies like One and Only Ivan, uh, Mulan, Howard, Not the Duck, Soul. (laughs) We got series like Prop Culture, Magic at Disney's Animal Kingdom, Muppets Now, which was a little weird, Um, and and others. uh, Marvel 616 is, is, I love, if you're a Marvel fan, you find out. How some of these characters came to be, and some of the ways that they've been adapted, both domestically and internationally. Watch the one about Spider-Man. It's freaky what the, how they looked at them in Japan, but from a, a thirty thousand foot view, Disney Plus, I, I think probably more so than any of the other streaming services, is really helping to change and redefine how we as consumers are going to consume content moving forward. I think sure. the days of everything only being released in movie theaters and then eventually coming to streaming are over. Now, Me they, I, I think they had a, a very interesting experiment with Mulan, having it at that $30 price point if you wanted to see it, by doing something that was Mulan as opposed to the next Avengers film, You had to sort of decide, like, that, you know, were you willing to to pay that premium for it? Uh, I think that model is very much going to work, right? But then they say, okay, we're going to release Soul, I think almost as a a holiday gift for people, but it does. I think it's going to be changing how... I think movie theaters are certainly not going to go away, but I think it's going to be more of a special occasion type of thing, right? It's like going to the opera, like... I want to see the next Avengers film on the big screen. I want to hear it in that surround sound. But I also, man, I'll tell you, I really like watching movies like on my couch with my blanket and my snacks in my comfy, <laughs> you know, clothes. There is something to be said for that. And 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 as a as a common thread I think that we'll we'll look at as when we look at 2020 as a whole, I think it's also helped bring people and bring families together because now all of a sudden you're gathering in the living room to watch these films together. And you're able to talk about it. And you're able to sort of, it becomes more, I think almost of a shared experience than you sort of sitting in the dark watching on your own. I love the way they thought out of the box
4: here 2020 pushed them to make some decisions that would have been unthought of like, Hey, let's for- take a first run movie and, and, project it in the house. But the other thing they did too was they took an opportunity that was right in front of them and moved a major release into streaming only in in July of Hamilton. And again well, they do it onward too.
3: If you think back yeah. onward
4: was only in theaters for like a week and a half and then they're like they just yeah. put it on. But th- but I'm gonna go back to Hamilton for a second because that was so out of the box of a thought of taking a, uh, a money making machine on Broadway in New York and bringing that to film that they were thinking about releasing in theaters it, whenever they were thinking about doing that, but to bring it into a free for those who pay for the streaming service, obviously, but not to charge people, but to put it out there and make it a gift to everybody who's stuck at home to celebrate whatever we were trying to celebrate. But again, it was somebody who had to sit back and imagine being at that conference room table where someone said, I have an idea (laughs) and it probably isn't going to, you know, make us the most money, but we might get some karma points here, which is the same conversations they're now having about everything else that they're deciding. Are they going to bring it only to streaming? Are they going to do it theaters and streaming? Are they going to bring it to theaters and watching all of the studios kind of pivot with these decisions? um, Warner Brothers is doing something completely different than what Disney is doing. And, but yet I think they're all going to start becoming into alignment. And I agree with you. I think that theaters are not going to go away. I think that there are movies like I would never have wanted to see the Avengers um, on a small screen for the very first time. I love that experience of having um, the sound and the vibration of the theater and being there with a whole, and experiencing it with a bunch of other people at the same time. I think that there is a lot to be had uh, with those points But like you said, it's also great to, You know, pull up your popcorn and your family around you and with the right size of of television, experience those things at home as well.
0: Yeah. When I talked about coming back to the idea of 2020 being sort of the year of inventiveness, um, and Necessity being the mother of invention. Um, you know, I, I, I think we can't overlook the fact that um, timing was right for us as well. If Disney Plus had come out years and years ago and they weren't no, they were as pressed to make it a staple in our homes during this year and during all of this, maybe we wouldn't have seen all of the gifts that we saw um, this year, not to be cynical, but just to be realistic. Um, but I think, you know, the, the perfect storm came together and created a really um, perfect environment for us to see a new... Model that a lot of us have been hoping for for a long time. I mean, we we didn't mention it, but the the very first was Frozen Two. The early release of Frozen mm-hmm. Two was the first gift that we received uh, in March, or maybe early April um, when all of this was starting. Frozen Two was the first gift that they gave us. The early release, and then of course, Onward, um, and things like Hamilton. Of course, we saw Mulan with the experimental, um, you know premiere upcharge for 30 bucks and then soul came out on christmas day for free um and, and you know what was another sort of gift um but it's another one of those things where it's it's all based on perspective it's all based on how you want to watch your movies like you said becky i don't think many people want to watch Avengers Endgame end game on the small screen but it was perfect for a lot of things i think hamilton was the perfect example of something that was perfect to be given to us in our homes yeah.
4: It was great. Um,
0: rather than on the big screen because I think you do need to watch Hamilton a number of times before you can fully take it in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I would probably be less motivated to go see, you know, go to AMC to watch Hamilton than I am to, you know, enjoy being able to pop it on in the background while I'm working yeah. or, you know, watch it a few times. I um, needed to watch you know, Hamilton at home, home
3: because if I wouldn't have watched it with closed captions on, I wouldn't have caught 93% you. of what they said. Oh, I can geez. appreciate that. And I, and I will
0: say, like, as a person who, and I will fully own and people can, like, talk about me behind my back, I, the music of Hamilton didn't grab me on its face. I know a lot of people like feel very very differently a lot of people never saw the show and watched a thousand you know listen to the music when on their running playlist and that would saying, be me it, it, not it on never, the running playlist yeah, but and, I listened to it yeah and I had to watch the whole thing to really appreciate it as a whole and what the meaning of legacy is and and and, and to, to get Hamilton I had to watch the show um and I don't know that I would have like gone to AMC and watched Hamilton one time and gotten it out of but now I can listen to the music and appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so a- anyway, I mean, that strength, my point, but um, no, I mean, I do think, like I said, I'm going to come back to the idea of 2020 as the year of inventiveness and the necessity being the mother of invention. Like this to me is the cornerstone of that point. Like I would love to see, and I'm sure we will be seeing moving forward, some hybrid model again of like what we were able to do before versus the things that we've come up with in this the situation. Um, you know, if you're a single person who tends to go to the movies alone, the idea of paying 30 bucks for Mulan was absolutely atrocious and and ridiculous as, as a, you know, family of four or larger, you know, paying $30 to watch Mulan in the comfort of your own home is very, very reasonable and delightful. Um, so I think these, these alternatives for consumption of media, um, that we're seeing coming out of this year, I'm, I'd be shocked if they didn't stick around and I'm really happy about that.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, as time goes on, it'll be interesting to see consumer response once, you know, quote-unquote, things get back to normal. Are people going to flock back to movie theaters? um, And and how the studios are going to have to obviously adjust to um, a very, very different landscape on the opposite side of that. Um, Speaking of adjusting to a a different landscape. Uh, I want to just quickly touch on something that we mentioned earlier uh, because we we started this discussion talking about the importance of people and the frontline cast members that we see and interact with on a daily basis. There's also the other side of the coin too and I want to take you back in time as again the pandemic was just starting to creep its way into the Disney world with the closing of Shanghai and, and Hong Kong. Uh, Bob Iger announces that he's going to be stepping down from his role as CEO in mid to late February somewhere. Um, and I take him at his word that it, that his decision was not predicated on events that were happening, but something that he was planning on doing for a long time because he has been, he's been trying to retire for, for some time and has sort of been brought back into the fold um it was you know timing being what it is there was this you know two and a half percent drop in the stock price which at the time was monumental coronavirus says hold my stock ticker i'll show you what a monumental <laughs> drop and in, in loss of <laughs> revenue is going to look like but that throws bob chapek um who at one point was the head of parks and resorts into the CEO position, uh, which, you know, some people expected, some people did not. Um, there were a few other folks that whose names were, were being tossed around, like Kevin Meyer, um, who was the head of, of Disney Plus at the time. But look, and I this is not sarcastic when I say poor Bob Chapek, you know, you're giving <laughs> the keys to the kingdom at the time that there's a global pandemic going on and, and literally every aspect of your business is shutting down. You know, parks and resorts, the, the 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 movies, you know, consumer products, like everything was just being. Um, it's like being given the helm of the Titanic after you hit the <laughs> <Yes, of>. ice <right. laughs> That's, That's yeah. a great analogy.
4: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I can't imagine, you know, it's like Tiger. Yep,
3: retirement. See ya. And then here, <laughs> here, by the way, here, here's something that you get. You know, <laughs> but Disney he did Park. not piece, look. I, I, You know, it's not like I sit down and have dinner with Bob Iger, but I like Bob Iger and I like Bob Jay and and my few (coughs) one on one interactions with both. Uh, I I like them both. Look, Bob Iger, you know what he did for this company um, is 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 unparalleled other than from Walt Disney himself in terms of of the growth that this company has seen. But kudos to Bob Iger for not saying here's the keys to the Titanic I'm getting in a lifeboat yeah, he yeah, decides yeah. to stay on yeah. and help bob Chapek out um which i can't even say was was the right thing to do but it was the it was a, a it was an incredible Move And I think speaks volumes about Bob Iger, the person in not letting him, you know, and the company and us as as guests and fans sink or swim based on what this guy does in his first day in this position while trying to manage what, as you said, was this sinking ship that had that was very much out of his control. It's like here, here, here's
4: a house that I just sold you. It's really great. I'm going to give it to you, and but the plumbing still works, kind of. And it's called Disney Plus. The rest <laughs> you might have to, you know, put back together and, and uh, and do some repairs. But yeah, to his credit, he didn't just run away. He he said, "All right, I'm here to help." And you have kind of seen that um, with with on all levels of people trying to come together to figure out how to make this work in the environment that we've been.
3: Hand it And and it's again a difficult, I,
0: am, sorry, I think it's been a difficult situation, you know, overall. I mean, I, I have great, great respect for both of them. I think both of their stories are incredible. Um, that being said, I think, you know. Chapek being a numbers guy, being, you know, a little bit more behind the scenes, um, you know, traditionally it was a difficult role for him to play because so much of what he was having to do was say the right things in the right moments. And maybe the the factual answer isn't always the answer to say out loud. Um, You know, I I think they're both they're both incredible. But I I think at the same time, while I while I think that Iger did the right thing and not stepping back completely and continuing to be a figurehead and play that role that he needed to play. You know, there was no getting around it, but at the same time, I think it put JPEG in a very difficult position because here he is having to step into this grand role and 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 you know become the new figurehead, but at the same time, still kind of playing second fiddle to somebody by necessity um, that we all have grown our faith and trust in over the years, and maybe maybe knew how to publicly say the right things in the right moments so um you know great respect for both of them i i don't you know i don't judge the timing of of any of it but it it was just a just a different situation i think just because of the personalities and what we needed to be doing what they needed to be doing in those moments to make sure that public confidence was remaining where it needed to be
3: and look you know he look his his name is on is on you know the door right so he is quote-unquote responsible for all the decisions that are made by him and and underneath him so you know i I don't necessarily point the finger or or blame at chapek when you have to let cast members go and you have to scale things back because it's not his company it's a stockholders company and there's decisions that have to be made that sometimes are are very hard and you know his his name is his face is the one that's on the dartboard um and i think it's hard to evaluate and unfair to evaluate anybody. Yes, you evaluate people in the times of of turmoil, but this is this is the, you know, to the nth degree. But there are other changes that I'll be curious to see over time how they play out. Josh Jomaro, mm-hmm. who was the former head of Walt Disney World, former head of former president of Disneyland, was promoted to oversee the entire parks and resorts uh, division. Uh, Rebecca Campbell, who was the president of Disneyland, moved over to direct consumer and the international Aspect of the company. And Ken Potrock, uh, a guy I've known here on the Walt Disney World side for a long, long time. And just on a personal level, like, has always been very nice to me, just a very, very nice guy. Um, at one point, was promoted to head of D- Disney Consumer Services, and he's now president of Disneyland Resort, which is basically saying, "Here's the keys to the kingdom. It's locked for a while, <laughs> but someday when it reopens, it's going to be all yours." So it's really hard to evaluate, uh, um, you know, Ken's role in that position. So I-, I feel, you know, I'm I'm happy for Ken, and I feel bad for Ken, uh, especially I- because so much in California right now is out of his control. I I hope
4: that somewhere down the line, these executives are able to talk about or write about the experience um, years down the line from this so that I would just love to learn from it. Again, that masterclass in business survival, which I've been taking now for about 10 months myself, but I would love to hear (laughs) from them um, how they've come to these decisions, how they've managed, how they've made the decisions that they've had to, how they've adapted, how they've pivoted. I think it'd be a fantastic backstory.
2: I want to pose a question to all of you, and I'm really interested in the answer. Where do you think Disney Boathouse. would be? Boathouse. <laughs> Absolutely. Where do you think Disney would be as a company if it wasn't for Disney Plus and the timing? Would the health of the company be less if Disney Plus is was not here? Without a doubt. I mean, the numbers just sort of
3: bear that out. I mean, Disney Plus kept the company afloat. I mean, if you're an if you're a shareholder or investor and you and you've seen any of the, the 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 either stock reports or or watch any of the you know i mean the company lost billions of dollars, not millions billions of dollars and even the money that that disney plus brought in you know when i said about look disney's presence in in film and television and consumer products and obviously theme parks are are the lifeblood of this company and they all just disappeared overnight um and you know and when the parks reopened this is a quick aside when the parks reopened you know there were some people who were unhappy about the parks opening when they did or capacity whatever the thing and i said look and they were said well this is just a money grab by disney and i said "I, i don't think so at all um because opening a park to 10, 15, 25% of people, whatever it is, is not going to make a dent in the amount of money that they're hemorrhaging on a, on a daily basis. And, and hemorrhaging is, is the right word. What the, the parks opening when they did did was allowed cast members to start being acclimated to what this new environment was going to look like allowed us as guests to start sort of dipping our toe back into the water it wasn't a way to try and save the company or earn the company money because so much money was being lost you think disney by putting mulan in disney plus as opposed to releasing it worldwide in theaters you think that i mean you know, that was a finger in, 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 in the dam that had burst. Um, so I don't think, um, I don't think those necessarily made as, as huge of an impact on, on the company, but yeah, to answer your question, I think Disney plus from a financial perspective helped save the company. But I think from a guest perspective, John, I think for filling the gap in terms of, of what we had lost, um, from the the Disney the quote unquote Disney experience is very much what Disney Plus filled, um, and I think we as guests and consumers, because we had the blessing of time, were able to sort of drill down a little bit farther, a little bit deeper into the archives of Disney Plus. Part of the reason why I started on Wednesday nights doing my Disney Plus pick of the week shameless plug intended was because I wanted people to not just look at what was on the home screen with the latest release, but dig down to the hundreds of amazing titles, not just from Disney and Marvel, but from Nat Geo and some of the old live action yeah. and animation stuff. Um, there's a treasure trove in there of, of great content.
0: Are I also think, a- think we need to keep in mind like the extent to which the normal population skews from the four people who are talking right now. I mean, you know, I may have taken, like, great comfort in the fact that there was a heart in the contemporary the contemporary windows and that Walt's apartment light was open and they were still raising the flag every day and hashtag Disney magic moments and all the other things that the extreme Disney fan base was clinging to during all of this. But, like, the vast majority of the population isn't cued into all of that. And the degree to which, like, Disney Plus kept Disney in the contemporary vocabulary and the popular, you know, consciousness during all of this can't possibly be understated, whether it's by bringing us all back to the nostalgia of the movies that we grew up to, we grew up with, to new stuff like the Mandalorian, to just like having this new appreciation for the behind the scenes stuff that goes on at Disney from day to day, whether it's, you know, the magic of Disney's animal kingdom or the one day at Disney series or, um, you know, so many other things. And so I, you know, I think like, you know, Disney Plus has been wonderful for all of us, but I think all of us would have been clinging to anything that we could get from Disney during this whole period of time. But like the normal sort of more mainstream population that might not geek out so much on the little details. I think like the extent to which Disney Plus has kept Disney in their vocabulary can't be
2: underappreciated. I just think it's amazing that they pulled the trigger on creating Disney plus when they did at a time, there was no pandemic and it came out in November. And when this all happened, wow, it was just great timing, just great karma timing. I I said at the beginning, like thank whoever you need to thank for Disney plus
3: coming when it did, or we really would have gone stir crazy during, uh, during this quarantine and lockdown. Um, So I want to sort of, tie this up a little bit in in a bow if we can and I know that there even with so much being closed there has been a lot um on again an individual level and, and a community level but I want to sort of ask you individually to go and think back to 2020 and what are your takeaways right what are your takeaways from this year uh from a disney parks perspective an overall perspective a disney plus however you want sort of, sort of want to to phrase it um what did you take away from this year and because john because becky needs to go last i'll go the opposite of ladies first i'll have you lisa and then becky because i can see okay, she's I- asking jeeves right now um
2: I hate to repeat what I repeated before, but my big takeaway is, wow, I took so much for granted that I see is fragile, much more fragile than I thought. And I'm appreciating even people more, not just the parks, but in people. Uh, I see my own resiliency that I didn't know was there so much. I appreciate friends like you, Becky. Uh, who helped me through this time? Find out different things. Listen, you may have seen me, uh, the embroidery future in my future. I did not see this. The little old Italian lady has come out, and she is now <laughs> in full swing. Uh, but yeah, things like that. I just, I, 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 I'm appreciating things so much more. I don't think I'll ever take things for granted again. So that's my big, big takeaway. And there's more crying in my future. I think, like I'm just, I'm just more touched now by every. Everything makes me cry more now.
3: Welcome to my welcome to Menopause. I'll we'll, we'll have a
2: <laughs> you know it did happen to us at about the same age, I right? Think. Lisa Yeah, hey, I mean
0: I, I have a feeling all of our answers are going to be somewhat similar. I mean, I, I think I have a new respect for all of us and the extent to which we've been able to pivot our respective businesses and um you know and and tune ourselves into what our community needs and um and all that good stuff, whether it's you know, candles or embroidery or, or anything else. Um, but I think for me, you know, I, I've just realized so much sort of what's at the heart of the things that I enjoy in life. Um, you know, whether it's the run Disney experience really being about the community and, and the work and the, you know, honoring the effort or um, the cast members, you know, being so much at the heart of, of, of what our experiences each is each day in the parks to, you know, walking in the the gates of, of, you know, Epcot on that first day and crying when I heard golden dream, as opposed to caring at all about riding space Earth, birth. You know, I, I think it's, it's just been a a year of lessons and what really matters about the experiences that we have and sort of what the, the, the salt that makes the most, you know, the salt that we're really appreciating and, and the experiences that we're having in our lives. Um, not being so much about, you know, the big, the big things, um, that look good on paper, but more so about, you know, the people that surround us and, and the little moments that, um, that really make them all up.
1: Becky.
4: Yeah, (laughs) there's a lot to unpack in that question. Um, for me personally, both on a business and a, and a personal level, I have gone through a lot in just the past 10 months. Um, I've learned more than anything that the best plans that you have that you think you've got on your calendar, you need a plan B <laughs> and probably a plan C, a plan D, and a plan E. Um, I will never complain about not being home enough again. <laughs> I, um, I never thought I would miss being on a plane. I miss being on a plane. Uh, I think I forgot how to pack so i think that's something i need to relearn but um i think uh, in a lot of ways i've learned to appreciate people more than i did before and and i thought i had a pretty good appreciation at that time um my friends my family me my husband my just people around me the people who will support you the cast members um Watching as those furloughs and the um, and the uh, layoff announcements started happening, watching Facebook and seeing people that I've worked with for 20 years, in some cases in these departments, uh, lose their job was um, very it hit me very deeply. And knowing that, yeah, when when things do come back. Um, that person that I work with in catering and events is no longer there. I have to reestablish all of those relationships, um, which mean the world to me. Uh, I've also kind of felt that I need to uh, – I don't need to. I, I know that travel means so much more than just going somewhere and having a vacation and spending time in a theme park. It's about connections. It's about um, – things that feed your soul out of your day-to-day routine. And I I think my soul is starving right now because of, of what I've missed out on and what I continue to miss out on because I'm simply medically not able to get on a plane at this point. Um, otherwise, if I could, I would put myself in a huge um jumpsuit with you know some sort of connection so that I couldn't you know breathe anybody else's air and get on a plane and be in Disney World right now because um that's how much I miss it. I miss you. I miss my friends. I miss um all those wonderful connections and those smiles. And I didn't realize just how much that magic meant to me until all of a sudden I didn't have it. And I'm gonna end by saying You people have got to be um, fair warning, you guys, as I'm looking in your four faces or your your three faces and mine just sitting there in the corner, I'm going to be a blubbering idiot when I walk into a park uh, for the very first time. And as I'm thinking about it right now, I can't wait for that moment to happen. And there's going to be a lot of inappropriately, awkwardly long hugs involved. Um, So I guess I better wait until I have a vaccine before I do it, because I'm not going to let go of anybody. Um, this has been a very hard year for so many. And I'm just not going to take what I thought was always going to be there for granted at this point, because I miss it. And I miss you. And I miss the magic. And I
3: miss the travel that feeds my soul. And concierge service and Club Thirty Three. I know, <laughs> I know all the things that you really miss. I I can read through yeah. what you're throwing down. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I kind of miss that too.
4: I <laughs> see. I can't go. That's the reason I'm not going back to Walt Disney World right now is because there's no concierge level. <laughs> so when that comes back, clearly I'm going to be on a plane. But
3: yeah, that too. <laughs> um. All right. So without without getting overly you know mushy. Um, oh, shut up. <laughs> no, look, 2020 was was more than a year of pandemic. It was politics and civil unrest and in my time on this earth, I have never felt that we as a human race have been as divided as we have been. Um which is incredibly saddening and disheartening and frightening um not just for us but for as a as a parent for the generations that are to follow us um i w- i was going to say half jokingly baby Yoda did save 2020 like he was <laughs> baby Yoda was the was a bright spot that united us as a see uh, i like children
4: fyi i just want to go on record to say see i like children
3: um you know in in and putting it in the in the context of of disney and and, and what we've been talking about um you know I, I have felt that um they have been able to continue on their their promise and their commitment to deliver magic throughout um in the many different ways that they have done it as i as I am back in the parks when I can be not only do I still feel that it's the safest place, I still feel that it is more magical than ever um you know and I don't just mean because it's it's more efficient and, you know, there's there's the lemonade to be made from some of the, the, the lemons, but I don't feel that that magic ever left. And um, like all of you, I, I think we all have learned to appreciate what we have when we have it and that the little things really do mean a lot. And um, I know that I, in many respects, have... While I've been farther physically apart, I feel closer um, to a lot of not just you in this room, but you, um, my friend who is listening as well. Um, You know, I have talked about, I have preached the word community for a long, long time. And I think we really see the importance of it, the power of community and the proof of it in this past year. And in terms of things that I am grateful um, for, I, I use the word community, but I mean you, the person who is is sitting here, listening. Um, but I've also said, and I believe that there have been opportunities through adversity. Um, it very much goes along with my idea of of choosing the good, and I think there were opportunities for all of us not just from a Disney perspective but a personal perspective I think for you guys as well as I sort of segue into an an awkward transition of um, wanting you guys to share what you've done and and what you did Um, I I say all the time that we were given an incredible gift in, in 2020 and I and that is not to minimize any of the hardships that anybody has felt but I think that we were given the gift of time to a certain degree, and and how we were able to spend and utilize that um, to a certain degree has been up to us. Again, I, understanding people's situations are, are different, uh, and I would like for each of you to talk about just from a, a personal perspective how you have used that, um, what you have done in your life, in your business. I, I know you know Lisa and John have been able to. Um, you know, build businesses from this. Becky certainly want to talk about the impact that, um, you know, this has had on you and, and I think not to sort of lead into it for you, but the importance of, um, of service and experience and, and having somebody uh, like you in, you know, when somebody books travel, uh, having somebody who's there to help them when, you know, when everything just falls apart is, um, mm-hmm. is incredibly helpful. So, um, again, I'll go back to two ladies first and I'll go, uh, uh, Becky, Lisa and John talk about, um, the opportunities that you've made from adversity and the things that you've done, um, as a result of 2020, the good stuff that you've done.
4: Yeah, absolutely. On the travel industry, of course, took a huge hit and is continuing to take a huge hit. Um, I was not prepared to literally have no income for going on a year now uh, and and keep a business afloat. And uh, things that a lot of people don't understand is that we don't get paid until people actually travel. So a big part, you know, I give huge kudos to my team because the moment that things started going awry, they stepped up it wasn't people saying oh well i'm not getting paid for this so i'm not going to help anybody which unfortunately is what we saw in some of the competitors not not our you know local competitors but the ones that are like the big box competitors in the um the costcos of the world which didn't answer phones for a while and it really did if there was any year ever that said you should use a travel planner this is the year that proved it um when the parks started shutting down, when the cruise lines started shutting down, uh, hold times were in the eight and nine and ten hours to get help from uh, from anybody for somebody's booking that was about ready to travel. So we took that on. We figured out how to do it. We we're in line, we took care of the phone calls, we took care of the arrangements, we booked people and then rebooked people. And then the closure went on another five months and we rebooked people again, um, all the while getting refunds, um, just doing all of the legwork to make sure that people were taken care of. And 2020 really illustrated that uh, we, we don't charge fees. So again, we're paid by the, the supplier when you travel. We are taking care, or you, every um, client that's out there was able to just go here, help me. Um, Taking care of all of those little details. And the staff had to kind of take on new roles to figure out, just like the suppliers did. The suppliers aren't set up to do massive amounts of refunds. So there's a lot of timing involved in that. And there was a a lot of... um, of work that had to be done on the back end to make sure that people were taken care of in one of the most difficult times ever. So, for me, the good things that came out of it is we learned to think quickly, we learned to move quickly, we learned that uh, for me to be able to go out when things were going awry and tell everybody. If you have a question, even if you didn't book with us, please PM me, please send me an email, please contact us. And while we can't help directly, we'll be able to give you some advice on what what can be helpful um, for you to get out of the situation you're in. It allowed me this year, like you said, the, the bit of time. We were given the gift of time. And not being on the road, allowed me to really look at my organization and improve upon it and train people to, uh, to handle things better. So I think I was able to improve upon the relationships that we have with our clients, that I have with my agents, that I have with my staff and my partners. Um, So there was a lot of opportunity there to relook at the business and try to figure out how to survive it. Um, But more than anything, it really shows that the services of a, a professional travel planner can be in your best interest and be very helpful to somebody, especially for those who don't charge fees, because it's the same cost to you, uh, whether you go direct dis- to Disney or book with us. So there's a lot of benefit to it. And hopefully, uh, even though it was a very difficult time to go through it, um, that we've all had to go through and the loss of our vacation time, it. Um, it will hopefully illustrate to people that having someone have your back and, and be able to be at your side in case things go totally awry, um, it's a benefit to you.
3: Lisa? Um,
0: so, you know, I mean, I, I, I think there's just various buckets of my life that I've had to attend to um, and honor during this whole process, you know, first and foremost, I have two small children who left school during spring break of March, 2020 and didn't go back until August. And since then I've been periodically quarantined, um, you know, and I've, I've both, you know, relished my rare time with them, um, you know, as well as, you know, figured out how best to entertain them while working from home and, you know, see that their educations are taken care of and, and that they're happy and healthy and all that good stuff. And, um, you know, that's that's certainly been the biggest part of my journey during this last year. Um, but, you know, setting that aside, I think that, um, you know, we've all had to sort of look at our businesses and who we are as people and how best we can serve the communities that, um, that we want to serve. And so for me, I think that I've just looked at the different things that I can create and the different things that fill my soul and how best can I project that into the world in a way that is going to connect with people and, and serve them as well. Um, you know, whether it's tangibly creating things or writing things or, you know, I'm, I, I am a writer at heart. And so I've tried to continue to share my journey on my blog, which is castlerun.com, um, you know, and, and connect with people in that way. Um, you know, needless to say, you know, through Facebook and Instagram uh, communities as well, I've I've tried to continue to do that. I've developed my photography skills enormously during this time, and it's something that again just feeds my soul and um, and that that I enjoy doing, and that you know, again is is a way that I can connect with a community that I want to connect with and serve. You know, whether I'm sharing something new in the parks or sharing my own family or or um, you know live streaming stories that try to show people what the real situation is here. Um, I've continued to try to do that. Um, you know, I've had running challenges and other sort of fitness challenges along the way that I've, where I've tried to sort of connect with and inspire people to keep moving during a time where all we want to do is sit on our couches and the traditional big finish lines and, um, you know, traditional races have been, you know, set by the wayside, um, you know, and, and, and again, like, and, and I joke about this, but, you know, as much as I am an academic and write and take pictures and do all the things that I do, um, you know, I, I, also have always, it's always been very important to me to create a tangible product. Um, and so I've developed the, you know, the, um, core memory candles business that I started actually started in September of 2019. Um, but as people were needing more and more to connect with the parks and trips were getting canceled and, um, you know and, and and things were people were, were needing it more I think um you know developing that line of products um and serving people in that way has been has been a, a huge benefit to the community that I serve and and also just a way to keep things afloat um, while you know other yeah you know, my my husband was largely out of work during this time because he's on the road a lot for work so it's it's serviced my family as well but obviously in developing core memory candles um you know, that's been been a beautiful thing that I that I've been able to do as well. So again, just trying to keep fulfilled and keep healthy and and feed my own soul um and use those things to to connect with my community during this time.
2: John, I think when this all first started, we were doing like virtual attraction things. It didn't seem that real to me. I thought it was going to go on for a month or so. And uh I'm really not blowing smoke at all here to, to Becky. But if if you know me, a big chunk of my salary was working for mouse fan travel, MEI travel. And I know a lot of the people that use mouse fan travel and they all, what Becky just said, they all said to me personally, wow, if I didn't have this travel agent, if I didn't have these people, my vacations that wouldn't have been handled. well." I mean, they, what she says, she absolutely lives by. It's not an advertisement. Um, and let me tell you, she did as right by me as she possibly could have throughout this whole thing. I'm not going to cry or anything, but she did. And so I wanted to do the same for her and continue to advertise at a time where I wasn't really, you know, with MEI. I was still there with her because I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to be with anybody else. So I, I'm glad that things are a little bit better now. But I'm just, uh, in any event, she's what she says is all real. Uh, And I had to find out different ways, like just like, you know, again, I'm not special with this. We all did this, but Lisa did, you know, the core memory candles. I started to do embroidery. I don't know why I just got an embroidery machine. I started to do Disney inspired images because you can't really do copyright ones, but there, you know, there's only so many things you can do with three circles, but I tried to be creative and, uh, that worked out uh, through Becky's pushing. I put out a website that didn't just go to a YouTube channel. So it gave me a, a venue to sell things, you know, but it's not just for that. There's other things on there that are just fun. You don't have to buy something. So bigfatpanda.com is now not just a YouTube channel. And again, we all find ways to survive. And I'm, I'm glad I stuck with the people that I stuck by. And I just, I'm, it's a good thing. That's all.
4: That's really sweet.
2: <laughs> it's That's true.
4: Um I I didn't add anything from a personal level and I'm going to toss this in here really quickly as well. Uh 2020 also did two other things for me. It um it allowed me to realize that I've spent more time with my husband in the past 10 months than I probably have in our entire 23-year marriage <laughs> because we've been stuck together in the same house. But um more so as I also had a, another big challenge that occurred to me this year. And um, you guys know this, and I've also publicly wrote about it on my blog the past uh, few days, but I had gone in for a routine medical um, uh, test and I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I've been battling that along with uh, the fun of 2020 um, but everything is good. I got treatments. I got to ring the bell. Um, it, it just was just yet another challenge, which is one of the reasons why I'm so emotional about 2020, but uh, just to make a long story short, uh, I had a lot of wonderful people who have been supporting me through this challenge and this fight and uh, Lou without you, I don't know how I would have, you know, been able to handle everything that I've been through, but more than anything, I want everybody to um, take this seriously. If you have not had a mammogram and you're a lady out there, if you haven't done a colonoscopy test and you're 50 or over, please don't put it off. The only reason that I'm still here and I'm talking to you and I haven't had to go through chemo treatments is because it was caught early. So if there's any wish that I could make for the lessons I learned from 2020 is please don't, um disregard your healthcare, give yourself some self-love and make sure that you go through those medical appointments, take the time to do it even in covid. I know that it's scary to to go out for some of you, but the hospitals are doing such a great job of keeping everybody safe. So if you're due, please get the test, please follow up if there is a, a scenario where you're afraid that something's wrong. It's better to hear now and be have it taken care of so that you can be here to annoy your friends and your family and to walk back into Walt Disney World as soon as you possibly can. So if that's my wish, I really hope that you follow through on that.
3: Well, as somebody who does not necessarily practice the best self-care, I will tell you that because of you, I did go for a colonoscopy. Um, I've actually gone for six. I go back once a week just because I enjoy it so much. <laughs> so think, I'm glad I to know that I actually could... dating. we're dating at this
4: point. So. <laughs> I'm so glad that I can inspire you to go through all of that. Sue prep is better. FYI. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so how about you, Lou? Uh, listen, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's hard to try and, you know, how do you, uh, how do you follow up the, you know, how do you follow that up? Um, cancer card, yeah. I know. How do you follow up the cancer card? Oh, well, my mom died. <laughs> well, there you go. See, yeah, winner, winner, well. chicken. <laughs> Listen, uh, clearly, I try to uh. use bad humor as a way to deal with uh, with deep emotions. But um, you know, I, I did my my mom. Uh, my mom did pass this year. Um, it was she's she was in the hospital since uh, January and, and passed in uh, September. But again. Even in that, I will, I will choose the good. I will, I will find the good. And as a result of something that was very, very sad, um, and I am not going to get choked up. Um, Lisa, on her own, I have to give credit where it's due, um, wanted to do something and felt compelled to do something and. Um, She started this this cause to raise money for Make-A-Wish because she knows how important it is to me and to my family. And, um, you know, at, at, at starting this rallying cry with you and the community raised more than $60,000 in a very short period of time for Make-A-Wish. Uh, if you watched the surprise live broadcast on, I don't even remember when it was, sometime in o- October. Uh, it was just September 23rd. Wow. Yeah, when you just showed up at my house and uh, opened up the door in the midst of a live broadcast, uh, the fear of God was put in me. And then, uh, again, this overwhelming outpouring of emotion and support from you. And look, it's are making a difference in people's lives. That That's six wishes uh, for children with life-threatening illnesses and their family to go to Walt Disney World. So uh, I will forever be grateful uh to you individually and and each of you individually and collectively for doing that um i i am you know i said it before i miss the events not because of the events i I miss the hugs i miss all of um the 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 personal interactions with people um that i I look forward to and uh, i am not going to take this time to try and self-promote Anything, um, because I, I want the focus to be on you guys. Um, my only hope, my only takeaway, if I had to sort of um, summarize it as quickly as I possibly can, is is that I hope that the show has brought you a little bit of a um, a mental and emotional respite. It has been a positive influence. I hope that you stay positive and test negative. Um, as we move forward and um, as a wise man said to keep moving forward uh, we still have to look at all the things that we get that we should be getting excited for in 2021 as we finally turn the page uh, to what i know and believe is going to be a a much better and brighter chapter in all of our books Um, i could not do this without you you are literally the other half of my equation and Becky and Lisa and John, your friendship means more to me than I will ever tell you like outwardly, like, you know, to you (laughs) in person. But uh, I thank you and I love you and I appreciate you as well as you, my friend who is sitting here. Um, This show could not happen without you. And it has been a a, a remarkable year. Um, Just, from a WW Radio perspective, uh, we've had some great times, some great memories, uh, a lot of fun shows and, and opportunities. Uh, and I hope that they've brought you as much joy as they have brought me. So uh, 2020, see ya. Uh, and uh, and as, a, uh, as a wise man in the Space Mountain queue once said, here's to the future and you. So guys, thank you so much. Thank you, Lou.
4: Thanks, Lou. Thanks for having us.
3: time for our Walt Disney World trivia question of the week where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or see how well you pay attention to the details and what you see, hear, remember, or even tasted. If you think you know the answer, you can enter for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Of course, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week I asked you to simply identify a phrase that I'm sure you've heard in Walt Disney World more than once and it went, Cheer up, Jane! Maybe we'll all be together by next Christmas. It was the holidays. I wanted a Christmas quote. First of all, congratulations and thanks to the hundreds of you who entered, got this one correct, and knew that it was the American adventure. And you're like, Mangello, I have no recollection. Well if you think back to the Rosie the Riveter scene, one of the workers says, Yeah, no wonder they have us working double shifts. A great way to celebrate the holidays with our guys over there. And Rosie says, Cheer up, Jane. Maybe we'll all be together. By next Christmas, And no, that was not meant to be my Rosie the Riveter impression. Anyway, I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one, and last week you were playing for a prize package that includes a copy of my brand new Disney Interviews book, which you can get at DisneyInterviews.com, as well as my 102 Ways to Save Money for and at Walt Disney World book, and all seven of my virtual audio walking tours of Magic Kingdom. You can find all those products by visiting the shop at www.radio.com and last week's winner, randomly selected, is Mike Santos. So, Mike, I have your address. I will get your prize package out you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So this week, I'm going to take you to another attraction that I've pri- I'm pretty sure you've seen and heard more than once, but let's see how well you remember it, because tell me, What is the last song that the orchestra plays in Mickey's PhilharMagic? See if you can remember the last song played by the orchestra in Mickey's PhilharMagic have until Sunday, January 10th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern to go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, use the form there. Again, you're going to play for the Disney Interviews book, the 102 Ways book, and all seven of the virtual audio walking tours. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so very much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. I hope you had fun, maybe learned something new, and that the show brought a little bit of Disney happiness and magic to your day and week. The question of the week this week is to tell me, what is your best moment from 2020? I know it's been hard. I know it's been crazy and strange and all of those things, but I, there has to be one moment that you can look back on and and take away as your best Share it with me and the other members of the WW Radio community by going to our Facebook page at wwradiocom Clubhouse. There you can not only discuss this week's show, but really be part of the community and conversation. It's fun, family-friendly, of course free. And I'd love for you to join us there. Talk about anything that you like in the Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars universe. We can also connect on other places on social. I am at Lou Mangiello on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Pinterest. Also, be sure to like the WW Radio page at facebook.com slash WW Radio and check out the blog at WW Call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WW1 with a question, a comment or just a hello from the parks. And you can email me, Lou at WW If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air. In addition to the podcast, please join us every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern at WWRadioLive.com. That's our live weekly broadcast on Facebook where you are part of the show. We talk not just about this week's podcast, but what's going on in the Disney world, as well as I share my top five live. I take your live calls and more. Again, it's every Wednesday, 7.30 at WWRadioLive.com. This week, I'm going to share my top five podcasts of 2020 based on some of your input as well. I'm continuing to share more of my personal collection on eBay. If you go to www.radio.com slash eBay, 10 new auctions begin and end every Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Most start at $1, no reserve. I'm sharing items from my personal collection from Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, including some unopened mint-on-card action figures from Empire Strikes Back and lots more. Again, just visit www.radio.com slash eBay. WW Radio has always been by, for, with, and really about you. And the show couldn't happen without your love, support, friendship, and help. I want to thank some of the new and longtime members of the WW Radio Nation family. If you want to find out how you can help the show and get exclusive rewards every month, including some new rewards coming very, very soon, and help our Dream Team Project to benefit the make wish Foundation of America, you can go to WWRadioNation.com. I want to thank some of the new and longtime members, including Stansy Coate, Valerie Seidel, Pete, just Pete, Jenny Taylor, Martin G., and Emily Laurent. Again, to find out how you can help the show for as little as a dollar a month, you can visit www.radionation.com. Speaking of thanks, I am always incredibly thankful for the opportunity and the life that you've given me. And I want to help you individually or in your business as well through speaking, coaching, a weekly mastermind group, which is forming now, and events. If there's some way that I can help you... Turn what you love into what you do with one-on-one coaching or mastermind or speaking at your event. You can visit loumangello.com. Of course, the show couldn't happen without the support of our friends over at MouseFan Travel. They are my official and recommended travel provider, not just because it's who I have used for more than 15 years, but more importantly, it's who I trust for you to use. For the best possible prices, all available discounts, most importantly, with an incredible level of personal service that is their hallmark, you can visit them over at mousefantravel.com. And finally, my friend, and you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, and I hope that you do, please help spread the word. It is the best way that you can help by telling a friend tweeting out that you're listening, sharing a link to this or your favorite episode on Facebook. And if you can, take just a couple of seconds to rate and review the show over an Apple podcast. It's incredibly helpful. Just go to www.radio.com slash review. It'll give you a link and instructions on how and where to do it. I want to thank some recent reviewers, including Amanda Bordwan, who says it's the best podcast out there. It's the greatest Disney fan podcast from the interviews that Lou delivers to the trivia and information. It's top notch while still remaining positive and honest. More than anything, I appreciate the level of integrity, kindness, and depth of knowledge from Lou and the guests he invites. Again, it's the best. I have to say, though, I'm ashamed. Don't be ashamed, Amanda, on how long it's taken me to write this review because I've mentioned the podcast to so many people in person as my absolute favorite. I'm here now, though, however late to stay. Amanda, thank you. I appreciate that. And Adam, S50 says, S54 says, don't deprive yourself. Listen, I'm not going to get into all the ways. The podcast has changed my life for the better. It really has, and there are many. Thank you, Lou, for more than you'll ever know. Wow, Adam, thank you. But I will say this. If you're reading this, just give it a listen. If you've made it as far as searching for Disney podcasts, you already understand the joy Disney brings and want it to grow in you. Mission accomplished. If Disney himself became Uncle Walt for television generation through his programs, consider Montello as the Uncle Lou for the podcast generation. Obviously, this is the first time I read any of these when I'm actually sharing them here. The passion he has for the subject is obvious and the joy he and the Lou Mangello players bring to the table is infectious and the kindness and positivity inside of Lou in every episode of the show is precisely what the world needs right now. Amen, brother. If you're reading this, you already love Disney. When you listen to the show, you'll love the world itself even more. Stop what you're doing. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Adam and Amanda, I cannot thank you enough. Again, just visit ww.com slash review or just go ahead and rate and review in Apple Podcasts finally most importantly i hope that as we have turned the page to the new year i hope that this show and this community that you have built and helped create continues to make your day your week and yeah really your life happier it inspires you to be better and i hope that you do choose the good and and look for and find the good in everything you do and everything you encounter i promise you that if you change the way you approach things, if you if you change your mindset and have a positive outlook, it will change your life for the better. Thank you, thank you, thank you for this past year, for the past 16 plus years, and for everything that is to come in the future. I love and appreciate you. So until next time, see you.
1: Hi, Lou. This is Sally from Valley, Alabama. And Molly, my daughter Molly, and I... Just had the most wonderful breakfast at Kona Cafe. And the whole time I was eating my Tonga toast, uh, I was thinking about uh, sound bites from your wonderful dining review that you did back on show number 576. So this is just a hello from Kona Cafe. Thank you for everything you do. Hello, it's Christine Morrison from Flowertown, Pennsylvania. We got a big snowstorm last night, and I just wanted to uh, correct something that I said earlier has nothing to do with the snow anyway I said that the Facebook page was ear for you and that's not right it's ear for each other so that's the cast member Facebook page if anybody wants to go on and order anything from anybody if you're looking for anything you'll find it on ear for each other not ear for you so, sorry, I didn't have my information correct. Anyway, we're enjoying the snow. And I know it's nice and warm in Florida. I will be there in 20 days. What? Yes, yeah, I said it. 20 days, I'll be there. And I will say that Lou sent me to the boathouse. Have a great weekend, everybody. It's Friday night. And enjoy. Take care. Bye. Bye.